This is Free Talk Live. We are at ForkFest 2020 at the beautiful Rogers Campground for what uh, is day number two of the show for us. It's also day number two, but you'll be hearing it on day number three because we're actually a day in advance uh, in the, on the show at this point. But regardless, there's interesting things happening here, and we're going to bring uh, a fraction of them to you. We're going to try to give you a taste of what it's like to be here at this event, which, Aria, is your fourth ForkFest? It is. I've been to all of the ForkFests so far. So that's Aria. I'm Ian. And so this one's different, right? Like, what do you it, think so far? It is very different. I There are more, like, wares vendors here and seemingly fewer food vendors. Yeah, so what's going on right now is there are two freedom festivals that are happening simultaneously. There's the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Which, which is somewhere is, down there. Well, it's in its, I don't know, like 17th year or something like that. It's been going on for a long time, maybe even longer than that. But uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival is a long-time event that has attracted a fairly large number of people. So I expect that... That is going to be a pretty big draw. I've heard they've sold as many as 750 tickets this year. Nice. Now, they did start selling the tickets before the whole COVID thing. So how many mm. of the 750 are going to come? Uh, I don't know. But I would say that this initial uh, first and second day that we've been looking at here is a pretty good start. And, you know, having, having been to a number of Porcupine Freedom Festivals over time, uh, I think I can say that. So I'm expecting we're going to see a good crowd by this weekend when you know things really start to ramp up. I would agree. I think the most unusual thing is that the Porcupine Freedom Festival is actually happening, but there are no conventions or things like that going on for the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Meaning there's no official uh, scheduled events for, for right. the Porcupine Freedom Festival right now. And they that's are what I've always associated Thursday the yeah. Porcupine Freedom Festival with. Well, I mean, the, the it used to be the whole campground, and then they rolled it back a bit this year for the first time in, in years. So now they just have that area down by the, the pavilion in the bowl. And so the rest of the campground is technically Fork Fest, um, but <laughs> you can't tell between, you know, like as you're walking around, you don't know if somebody's here for Fork Fest or if they're here for the Porcupine Freedom Festival or both. Because some people have a preference as to which one they uh, they like. But the nice thing about this year is both events are coexisting at the same time. And that's the first time that that's happened. Um, and I support that. I think that's a good thing. I would agree. Uh, it's a different experience from ForkFest in previous years. Because ForkFest was like the ramp-up pre-Porcupine Freedom Festival party. Right. And this year, it doesn't have that. So it's just sort of ramping up together yeah and then the big question is what will the next week look like because i don't know i know several people are coming here just for the fork fest week i know them personally but okay. i don't know i mean it, i'm not talking like dozens of people yeah, sure but uh, there are at least some people coming just for fork fest alone and i and that's what i'm interested in seeing because there's a certain for for whatever percentage of this crowd is here just for the Porcupine Freedom Festival, they will go away after the end of this, this weekend. Well, they might. I mean, they may not be Some aware that things are continuing to happen. Well, I think it'll be pretty clear because all... I, I think I know it will the, become clear. The, there's a party tent that Colin brought here last year that he brought back, and I, I think that's going to stay for sure. I, I, Ladies' the, Night Out isn't even starting Yeah, until. you guys are going to have your own site. Um, there's going to be a band playing during yeah. ForkFest on the Saturday at the end of ForkFest. July the 4th. Yeah. And then, of course, the campground has fireworks as well that they do every Do you know what time those July. start? 
I do not, but I expect we'll know when we're, you know, when it happens. Well, so. I would like to not be playing the show when the fireworks start. They're not going to be doing that. Uh, oh, you mean playing your show? Yeah. yeah. Good question. You should talk to Crosby. Yeah. Good idea. Um, if you don't know him, I'll, I'll introduce you. At some point, he'll probably come by and we'll, we'll sit in, you know, sit him down uh, in the guest seat with us. As we do uh, from time to time, you will hear some of the, the characters that are here at this event. There's a lot of interesting people, a lot of uh, freedom-minded folks. Uh, we set that bar high yesterday, though. And what do you mean by that? Uh, well, the guy that we interviewed for like Footloose. three hours. Yeah, the the interesting factor with him. I mean, that it's a high bar. Yeah, man. anybody <laughs> following him is going to have a tough time. But uh, if they didn't see him, then they won't know what they have to live up to. Good point. It was... It was something else. Um, you could, of course, download archives as you wish over at freetalklive.com. We can't take your calls, and really, we're so busy talking to people here. It's it's just a different kind of show when we're on the campground. Um, so if you want to see us live, you're welcome to come by. We do have a studio audience right now. Uh, so you know, thanks for, thanks for coming out and, and watching us here. And what is a pretty brutally hot day? Uh, and you, know, you never know. It might cool down a little bit later, but, yeah, it's almost 90 degrees uh, wow. out here. Wow, okay. But, but it's a, it's a good time, and it's a good group of people. So if you get the chance, come on up. This is going on for basically the next two weeks. So you've got plenty of time to get up to New England, whether you drive or fly. I mean, if you can drive out here, you know, grab some friends and take a road trip, I think that's that's got to be a good time, right? That would be the ideal way to get yeah. here, yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, getting on an airplane means you don't have any camping equipment, so you got to grab a hotel. Uh, but either way, you're going to have a good time on the campground. Most people just kind of wander around and talk to folks, and it's really it's unique experience, especially because you'll be surrounded by people who actually care about liberty and freedom, and you, know, you may not agree on everything, but sure. that's where the interesting conversations come in. Yeah. I've had, I've, I want to have more conversations like we had last year with the, with the socialist guy who was here. Because those were, I mean, it was frustrating at times. Oh, that guy, yeah. But it was always amicable and always fascinating to hear his points of views and his ideas. Well, we did have uh, a guy show up yesterday <laughs> who used to live in Keene a long time ago. And he ended up leaving Keene and becoming like a leftist. He also came out. I wonder, as the trans person he on did. the show, I wonder if there is some correlation between the two things. Between him coming out and becoming a leftist? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe because he would find more friends uh, in right. the lefty community, especially in a place like Ohio, where you know political divisions, I imagine, are fairly stark. Whereas here in the, the liberty community, I don't know people who are unfriendly to gay people. I mean, maybe they exist, but I don't know who they are. I don't right? either. Um, if they're out there, they're not doing anything overt. They're not you know, making it known or anything like that. So... Um, but he left New Hampshire and then went off in a more lefty direction. He showed up here yesterday wearing a mask. <laughs> yes. One of the one of the few people. Now there have been a handful, like maybe no more than a handful. I don't think that I've seen uh, wearing masks here. So it's curious because the mask, like even according to the government and the health industry, doesn't protect the wearer, right? That's what people say. So what what is the point of being one person in a crowd of a thousand? Who was wearing a mask? Well, he claimed he was trying to uh, prevent people from getting infected or whatever. He had had uh, COVID, but well, he kept he pulling the mask that. down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can claim to have had COVID six yeah. times last month. I he mean. was constantly pulling the mask down. And at one point, uh, Lee was here, one of our newer, uh, new co-hosts on Sunday night. He was standing here, and the, the guy with the mask pulls his mask down 
turns to the left and coughs. And so Lee <laughs> says to him, what's the point of wearing the mask if you're just going to pull it down to cough? A fair question. And he did not have uh, a good answer. He didn't even seem to realize what he'd done. Yeah. Of course, he also seemed to be a little inebriated. That's also the issue with the mask is that people touch their faces constantly. When I went into the bank mm-hmm. and the teller there was wearing a mask, within the 45 minutes I was there, she probably touched her face a dozen times. And the reason you're not supposed to touch your face is because you're touching, like, what, things with the COVID on it, supposedly, and yeah, then well, transferring Yeah, if you it. have COVID and you touch your face or you adjust your mask or whatever, those germs are spread onto your hands, and then everything you touch, mm, they spread onto. I so see. it's you might as well just be coughing on the pen that you're having someone, yep. handing someone. Yep. So, I mean, masks may, in fact, be a good idea if everybody used them properly, but that involves not yeah. touching your face. Yeah, I like to touch my face. If I itch, I want to I scratch it. Yeah, right. It would drive me up the wall to not be able to, uh, to touch my face. I've trained myself not to touch my face, but it's mm-hmm. generally so that I don't screw up my makeup. That helps, so. yeah. And it can be bad for acne, right? Like if you touch sure. your face. If you've got problems with acne. So there's reasons not to. Uh, but to, to, to change your lifestyle simply because of other people's fear is yeah. really what this is all about. It's about pandering to, uh, to fear. And it's about the authoritarian medical state rising in uh, relationship to just like basically how many how fearful people are is what they can get away with. Looking around, I don't see anyone at this time wearing masks, which is such a stark contrast to my experience in Keene, which is that the number of mask wearers has just exponentially increased Recently? throughout the last week and a half to two weeks. So uh, we got Almost there may be people shopping, though. A lot of people come to Keene to shop. We got more coming up here uh, from Forkfest. Welcome to the show. It's Free Talk Live. Talk live at Forkfest 2020. We're here at Rogers Campground, beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by AnyPay, which has the best campsite, I think, of all the sites because they've got this epic dome that they've set up. It's down the hill from us, all the way on the other side of, uh, of the hill that we're on here in what they call Agora Valley during the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is kind of you know, Agora is the marketplace for people right. that don't know. It's a, I think it's the Greek word for market. I think so. And so this valley had sort of sprung up naturally over time, and meaning when the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which started like 2003, I think it was, maybe. Anyway, over time, it became a more popular event, and people want to vend things. They want to sell food. They want to sell merchandise or whatever services uh they just started setting up and this particular area was like the hot zone that we're in right now eventually the porcupine freedom festival organizers decided they wanted to monetize that and so they started to charge people a vendor fee in order to vend specifically in these rows and well, these are the high traffic rows. So, I, so I understand, you know, the profit motive driving that. But it also seems like it would be up to Rogers Campground to charge the higher rate and not the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Yeah. However, what they did was they took over the, the campground. So they cut a deal with Rogers, as I understand it, to take okay. these spaces and have exclusivity to reserve the, the spaces, basically. So it's almost subleasing them. Right. In a way, from from Rogers, and there was a time when they, you know, they got away with it. Uh, the demand was was hot enough for this area, and people wanted to be here real bad, so they paid whatever the fees were. 
And then as tends to happen with central, you know, sort of centrally organized events, things go in a different direction, meaning that they kept going in that direction of more control, right? So they said, we're gonna, not only are we going to charge for these spaces, but now there's all these rules. So not only are you paying for the space, you have to follow extra rules. And, you know, purportedly some of the rules were there for good reason, right? That's why rules are made, right? Well, that's and, what everyone who makes rules says. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but what we're, ended we're up... making you wear masks because yeah. of good reasons. Thankfully, that's not happening here. But, uh, but in this case, the rules cranked up. The fees went up, right? And so what they ended up doing was they drove away yeah, the market. <laughs> they literally drove through central planning. <laughs> they drove the market away from the Porcupine Freedom Festival's Agora Valley, and last year they went on a uh, a road that was like five roads down. So it was like the road just outside of the official Agora Valley zone, and they set up their own thing. So the, the vendors got together and they said, "Well, let's just set up over here, and we'll call it." Uh, it's such they... a beautiful microcosm of the state. Yeah, well, <laughs> and or, and ugly at the same time, right? Like, but they did the right thing. They moved the market. They kept. They stopped putting up with the, the rules, and they said, well, well, we can have no rules if we just move over here. And so that's what people did. And what do they call it? The uh, where it's at street or zone or something like that? It was called where it's at. They had signs up. I didn't come to the yeah. Porcupine Freedom Festival last year, so ah, I don't okay. know. Okay. I only heard about this uh, second half, probably from you, but so I don't know had, what they were calling it. They had like those yard signs you know, that you can custom print. You, I think you've got some for sure. Aria for Sheriff. And so they, it said where it's at on there. So as though you couldn't tell, but yes, it was clearly that was the, the hot zone. It was lined with with vendors and hangouts and whatever. Nice. And so, I wonder if I they guess, will do that this year. I, I mean, guess, even though there's no real reason to, but, but I mean, that's the thing. The organizers, I think, finally, and there's a different organizer this year, Carla Garrix. She's back from the old days, and so she can remember the the old days when they didn't have these rules. So she decided, f it, you know, we're just going to drop all the the rules. We're going to drop trying to centrally manage. Uh, the campground and the Porcupine Freedom Festival is now just an event that happens on the campground. It is no longer like domineering the 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 rest of the real estate, and so now people can set up without paying fees, and they don't have to follow anything but the camp uh, campground's rules. So it's kind of a throwback to the old Porcupine Freedom Festival in a lot of ways. And so kudos to them for uh, for making that decision. It was the market was definitely demanding it and I'm I'm I don't know if it was because of the market demand or also because of COVID because um, that was cited as yeah. as a reason as well that they had to cut things back. But I think that it was the right choice to make to uh, to cut things back to decentralize the port port fest. I would agree. And, you know, we're still very early in this. What is today? Tuesday? I don't day know two. what day it is. Yeah, it, it, right yeah. now it is Tuesday, but our listeners will hear this on Wednesday. And it's already a pretty good-sized crowd, and we're nowhere near the weekend. By Thursday, this place is going to be, be packed. I think it is. That's 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 what I'm feeling here. I feel like there's at least a couple hundred people here already at oh, minimum. Oh, for sure. I mean, we haven't um, even been back there to the campsites and yeah, all I that. Yeah, I haven't walked the park. I have no idea how many people are here. All. Well, plus, you know, there are also the park regulars who are here as well. Sure. So one of the relevant metrics would be to ask the Porcupine Freedom Festival how many tickets actually showed up. So if they sold 750, and of course you always get walk-ins, right? So you right. sell in advance and then people just show up. Um, so how many people at the end of the week actually were here? That's an important number. Also, uh, Crosby, the owner of the park, can say, well, last year at this time we had this many people in the park. And this year at this time, we had X, right? So right. compare those. So there are some ways to get some idea. Uh, but during during Forkfest, 
it's also going to coincide, and ForkFest started, a, sort of, there's nothing official, but some people started it yesterday. I started it yesterday. Some people will be starting it this coming Monday. But regardless, uh, you know, if you can get up here, you don't want to miss out on this. It's going to be a great event. And it's going to be a memorable two weeks. Yeah, I think so too. I'm looking forward to it. There's a, I think there's a good vibe here so far, um, it, with the exception of you know one drunk guy last night, <laughs> one uh, but, excessively drunk guy yeah, last night. He did not have good vibrations. I think he thinks he has good vibrations, but yeah, no. Well, uh, maybe, maybe it's the mask. The masks are interfering with his. I think vibrations. so. I think so. I mean, the, I think the masks interfere with. It's like the beard guy, uh, foot footloose foot that loose. we talked with yesterday. You know, things like that. They they mess with you. I think that uh, the masks mess with like human connection. Period. I think it's very hard to understand somebody as well as you could if you can't see their facial expressions. You can't see their lips moving. Certainly, and I mean they're talking through cloth as well, right. so they're automatically muffled, and you can't get any cue from them about whether they're smiling. Some, I mean, maybe you can, maybe their eyes wrinkle or whatever, but yeah. the, the cues are minimal. It's not a human interaction. Yeah, well, my eyes might wrinkle if I were angry as well, you know. So yeah, I don't true. know. True, um, but it is something that I'm glad we don't see a whole lot uh, here. That said, it's definitely on the conversation topics, right? Like as I've gone around, that has come up, right? The, sure. the masks and all that, people. People here feel pretty strongly, and I would say they feel pretty strongly against the masks from my experience so far. That's, I mean, if they felt strongly in favor of they the would masks, they would be wearing them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, looking true. around and seeing people not in masks, it's refreshing. I mean, plus this is an outdoor campsite in the middle of June. Yep. What, what is the risk of COVID at this point? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I can tell you this. Um, I'm not going to say who it was, but somebody I know moved from New York City to Vermont like six or seven weeks ago or something and she's still quote hunkered down <laughs> well I mean coming from New York I, I would expect that sort of hyper liberal we have to save the old people by I don't know masks. what her politics are I honestly don't know but uh, wow it's crazy so by the way this uh, show brought to you by AnyPay I started mentioning that earlier they've got an amazing dome here you should go and check that out if you come here to ForkFest AnyPay will help you accept cryptocurrency uh, they've got a new website it's AnyPay.city where you can go and you can actually look at the different cities where they've got people that accept crypto and what the businesses are and you can actually pay them remotely which is pretty cool, especially if you're into the whole COVID thing, paying remotely. Uh, check out anypayinc.com for their website, and then anypay.city is their new site. So check that out, too. More coming up from ForkFest. The next generation wallet is coming from Divi. In just a few taps, you'll be able to send, earn, spend, and exchange digital money in seconds. Send money around the globe with only a swipe. Instantly exchange between Divi, Bitcoin, and Fiat right in the mobile app and withdraw directly to your bank account. Divi already offers the first one-tap solution for earning passive income with crypto. Multi-tiered masternodes allow everyone to partake in the network. Visit DiviProject.org. DiviProject.org. It's Free Talk Live. You're invited to join us in real life. You have to come here. You can't call in. We don't have phone lines here. Uh, there's not much in the way of uh, connectivity up here, but it's a lot better than it used to be. There actually are some cell phones uh, or cell, cell phone towers in the nearby vicinity that have 4G now, so that's kind of nice. It's been that way for the last few years here. We're at Rogers Campground uh, for ForkFest 2020. You can go to ForkFest.Party, and you can learn more about the event there. It's an unofficial website. There's nothing official about ForkFest. 
But you can link to a ForkFest chat room on Telegram, which is fairly busy, especially during the festival. Uh, there's also a ForkFest forum there. Somebody created a ForkFest calendar. You can link to that as well. I don't know. Uh, did you put your band thing up there? I did not. I didn't know the calendar had been completed. I know someone yes. mentioned it, and I think I said someone who's not me should make one. Somebody should do that. And somebody did. Thank goodness. Cool. Uh, so I will just, have to do that then. What happens here is up to the attendees. What happens as far as like supporting the event is up to the attendees. So I promote it on my radio show, you know, and... Uh, and what you know, if you come here, you can put something together. Ari's putting together a uh, concert for next Saturday. We're we're going to be here for the next two weeks, so we're going to have a lot to say about this event, and we'll talk to some of the people who are here. We also have news that we can cover. Uh, yeah. We are paying attention to some extent. The rest of the world is still ticking on. Yeah, it's presumably. Easy. It is easy to let it all just blow by you here. And if I weren't doing a radio show, I totally would let everything blow by as far as whatever the hell is going on. Uh, out there because it's just easy to kind of get lost in conversation with people and and just having the the fork fest experience i mean putting real life on hold is kind of the entire point of vacations and festivals and fork fest in particular i mean this isn't real life for a lot of people seem to think you know they come to fork fest and they're like oh this is what new hampshire is like i should definitely move it but fork fest isn't new hampshire no it is a taste of you know life a brief bit of it with only freedom people around basically yeah. uh you know the police are somewhere but they don't come here uh they did try <laughs> they, they, they have in try. the past yeah a long time ago there it was probably more than a decade ago during the porcupine freedom festival a police cruiser came into the park and like cruised through the camping area so there's like a camping area there's an rv zone we're in the rv zone here Set up with our, our table broadcast. And how many people were running behind him a with bunch. cameras? Yeah, there were a nice. ton of people. Of course, we had two-way radios, so you know somebody put out the call, hey, there's cops in the park where they're at. So people made a beeline uh, for them. And, I love it. And actually, it turned out they weren't here for... Um, like oh, to arrest somebody. That's or right. It was some local or I mean, one of the... No, what it was was they were here because they just sort of do ride-throughs. Because normally the the park requests that they do a ride through or something, or they allow them to, or whatever. Like they'd allow them to do a ride through just to, you know, show their presence. Um, but here it was not welcome by the, <laughs> the majority, the super majority of the park. And so the park owner told the police, "Do not come back here uh, during wow. this week. So any week that the Porcupine Freedom Festival is on." You will not see the police come through the park unless somebody calls them here for some reason. And that's, that's never happened. That's, that's a good story. I like that story. Yep, it was a good one. <laughs> um, and then there, there was the time, of course, where the Department of Revenue came. And that was probably several years later, like seven or eight years later. Were they taking issue with all of the unlicensed vending? That was what their intention was, yeah. They wanted to go to each vendor. And so they started in the spot that was, like, literally right next to us. It was, like, some fry vendor. Just somebody you'd right. see at a fairgrounds or I whatever. Mean, that's the peak spot. That's where. Yeah. Um, but they uh, – so the fry vendor, somebody you would just see at a fairgrounds, he wasn't, like, a, a libertarian. He was okay. more of a – just somebody on opportunist, right? He wants to make some money. He knows there's a festival here. He's from the That's area. what it was like two years ago. A lot of non-libertarians yeah. here vending. So he was one of those guys. And so they, they targeted him first. And so we – Again, I happened to see these guys pull into the parking lot, put a call out over the two-way radio, because I saw the logo on the door, right, the, to, yeah. to the car. Now, it wasn't a police cruiser. These were just bureaucrats from the Department of Revenue. Now, they are the enforcement arm of that, 
uh, they're the agents that go around and try to intimidate you into to paying taxes. So the Department of Revenue, is that the IRS or a state, it's the state. government thing? It's the state equivalent, right? Okay. So there's not an income tax in right. New Hampshire, so they're not the IRS, but they are the Department of Revenue in that there are taxes in New Hampshire, sadly. They're, uh, you know, it's I mean, not, especially on businesses. And, and there's specifically a sales tax on prepared food. So New Hampshire gets a lot of uh, accolades for not having a sales tax. Like when you go to Walmart and you buy you know, whatever you buy off the shelf there, for the most part, it, there's not going to be a tax. But if it's prepared food, meaning somebody's heated a thing and served it to you or whatever, or they've heated the thing and left it for you to take, either way, if it's been prepared, then there's a tax on it. So that's what the 9% meals tax is, right. and there's also a 9% rooms tax. So these goons came out. And they targeted the first business. By that time, we already had a crowd. Of, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, they literally walked, what is that? Uh, I'm not good at estimating distance, 500 feet or something from the parking lot to this prime spot right next to us here. Yeah. It's not far. It's like, you know, several car lengths away. And by that time, there were a large group of people that had. And uh, they were all around, just around intending them. to ask the. What, they wanted what were to the, tell. They were cop blocking? Well, I was there, um, and I was definitely cop blocking. And then the definition of a cop block would be to ask tough questions of the police when they show up somewhere. So not just to record video, but also ask questions and give them a hard time. And know? generally keep them from getting to their innocent, nonviolent I mean, suspect. usually they're going to do what they're going to do. Sure. And you just say things to them, and, and that makes them hopefully uncomfortable with what they're doing. And it makes it known that not everyone is happy about what they're doing. That right. they're, we're not just going to put up with it and be silent. And so I was calling them out, and there was, uh, I think Garrett Ian showed up as well with his camera, and there was probably at least a dozen to two dozen people uh, that just mobbed these guys. Now, we, you know, we didn't hurt them. We didn't touch them. Right. We just spoke. And so they intimidated, tried to intimidate the first vendor. And I think the first vendor was already collecting taxes because he's just some fairgrounds guy. So right. he was already doing that. So, But they didn't go anywhere else after that. They showed up. We showed up. They turned around and they left because they had intended to go down the rows and talk to every single one of these vendors selling food and try to register them with the state so they could, you know, officially pay taxes. What about the vendors who accept Bitcoin? Do they do they expect us to pay a Bitcoin tax? I have will no Will they idea. accept a payment in Bitcoin to cover the cost of the taxes? They will definitely not accept a Bitcoin payment. I wouldn't want to send them Bitcoin anyway, but yeah. so it was a huge victory, and uh, I would say and, so. Yeah, and there's video of that too. So if you search for like pork fest revenue agents or something like that, it'll yeah. probably it'll probably come up. But it's on the Freaking YouTube channel. And so th let's just say the state agents have had a really bad time. It makes me sad that they, they don't just try this crap anymore, you know? Like, well, like it the makes police... you sad? Yeah. Why? Because I mean, you want to see it? Because I, I want to take part in it, you know? Well, that's not – I mean, <laughs> I, get the, I get the attitude. It, it, it sure. is fun to give them a hard time, but it's a victory that they don't come back, right? Because they could. No, I, no, could I agree. It's year. victorious. I they mean, it's been successful. With, they could come back with more agents next time, right? Like if they wanted to escalate things, True. they could. But they've decided that whatever the publicity level is that they got off of that, which wasn't much. It's just my little video and whoever else published their videos online. Um, but the negative pushback was enough to make them say, you know what, screw it. We're not, we're not coming back there. Let them do their thing. And I mean, it's definitely win. great. I mean, and I'm happy for the victory, but, you know, at the same time, it, it sucks not to have been here for all of those battles. Well, you know what, Aria? You could always go downtown and try to get a parking ticket. <laughs> I don't have to try to get those. They just seem to sort of... Have you challenged them? 
Have no, you gotten one? I, I haven't oh. gotten one in a really long time. Uh, okay. I've never gotten one here. Because that's the other thing. Recently in, in Keene, uh, we were ticketed, not you in, in this case, but the nightcap that we have, which is every right. Friday night. Not this week, but uh, generally every Friday night in Keene uh, this year, we've been doing this protest event. The Keene police came down after 12 weeks of no issues with Keene. Yeah. Just, they just drive around and leave us alone. And we're like open carry, drinking alcohol. There's open carry of guns. I mean, it's you know, all kinds of interesting things. Open carry is legal, by the way, in, in New Hampshire, but well, drinking open, alcohol Open publicly, alcohol is not. Yeah, yeah it's not. Um, so and they we are pretty. I mean, we we have taken shots of like Jameson as yeah. the cops drive by. Yeah, for sure. It, I, mean, I think we've toasted them before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's to you, officer. <laughs> Leave us alone. And they were until 12 weeks after, and then they finally ticketed uh, the cars that were around the circle there, the Central Square in the heart of downtown Keene, with $15 what they were quote nighttime parking tickets, saying you can't park there after 2 a.m. 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., which I never knew that. And uh, so I challenged the ticket, and I'll tell you what happened. Coming up here, this is Free Talk Live. We're at ForkFest 2020. You can go to ForkFest.party. Free Talk Live at ForkFest 2020. You can go to ForkFest.party and you can learn more about the event there. By the way, Free Talk Live brought to you by Divi. The next generation wallet is coming from Divi. In just a few taps, you'll be able to spend, earn, store, and exchange digital money in seconds. Divi says you'll be able to send money around the globe in only a swipe and instantly exchange between Divi, Bitcoin, and fiat currencies like the dollar right in the mobile app and withdraw directly to your bank account. There's no need to wait, though, as Divi already offers the first one-tap solution for earning passive income with their multi-tiered masternodes, allowing anyone to earn by supporting the Divi network. When the new Divi wallet launches because of their relationship with Western Union, Divi will be in 200 countries, including the United States. You can learn more at diviproject.org, D-I-V-I project.org. As uh, we continue, it's Ian with you, by the way. And Aria. Uh, we're here at our remote studios right at the top of the hill, right as you come into the ForkFest slash PorkFest grounds. And we were talking about stuff, but I don't remember what it was, so let's just move on. You found a story just now about uh, movie theaters. Yeah, well, I mean, the COVID nonsense, right? It ground entertainment to a halt. Yeah, movies, which, music. Yeah, so movie theaters, they, they apparently have nothing to screen. So they resorted to playing older movies and stuff like that, which right. is surprising to me because I would have thought that all of the movies that were supposed to have released in, like, March and April and May would have come out. But, yeah, but they're, every- they're afraid of releasing them now because they think the crowds are going to uh. be really small. And they're probably right in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, we covered a few days ago the AMC theater story about how they were not going to require masks. And then they backtracked. And then the mask people, um, social the media Karens. pressured them. Well, I mean, there's more than just Karens, right? There's a lot of mask people out there. They're the all Karens. Who are afraid. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, so anyway, they, they now say they're going to require masks, and which is interesting because there are people who are so afraid – they're still not going to go to the movie theaters, even yeah. with the requirement of masks. So it may actually hurt them. Who knows? They think it's going to help them. They think you know pandering to this fear is going to help them. I, I wish them the best. And the local movie theater in Keene, which is, by the way, reopening next week, also is planning to do this classic movie thing where they're showing Jurassic Park. They're going to have like the original Bat- Batman. Uh, I think the Back to the Future series oh, wow. is all going to play. Yeah, yeah so and, that, and that's interesting to me because I didn't expect – when I heard that, my, my first question was, well, how many theaters are doing this? Because this is a really smart idea. Yeah. 
Oh, it's a, brilliant. Apparently, they're collecting the statistics on it. So tell well, me what's to some happening. Extent. Okay, so coming to us from uh, Deadline.com, uh, Steven Spielberg's 1993 movie Jurassic Park yep. was number one for the fourth time in its release history this past weekend because wow. movie theaters, you know, they have to have something to play, so they're going to these old movies and right. number one at the box office. So kudos for them on that. Does it say how much uh, the gross was? Well, it's got a lot of numbers here, but in order to actually get to them, I'm going to have to see where it starts. So 2020 Fair, like Universal DreamWorks Animation's, uh, God, what a name, Trolls World Tour had been leading at a still distressed box office because, as you pointed out, most people aren't going to go to the movie theaters right now, whether well, that, that or movie not. specifically was being um, streamed online. So that, that movie, the Trolls movie you're talking about. Made headlines. Yeah, I remember that AMC created their own streaming service or something, right? I don't know about that. They may have. Uh, there were like seven or eight different streaming services, you know, YouTube, Amazon. So you could go to different places to see this box office movie. So I don't know if the streaming money counts towards box office. I presume it I doesn't. I wouldn't think it does. Uh, so, yeah, so you're saying Jurassic well, Park knocked heard, out the Trolls movie. Yes, and it earned, earned $517,000. At 230 movie, movie, movie theaters. Okay, so not a whole lot. No. <laughs> but that's enough to be number one. Isn't yes. that sad? Uh, yeah, and, I mean, it's only 500000 you know? Wait, so, what's 500000 I thought you said 230000 $530,000 at 230 movie theaters. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, 500000 Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, that's like chump change yeah, for movies. It is. So, I mean, it's still not good. But uh, the second movie was Jaws, taking in a little over, <laughs> I mean, barely less than that. They were at 516000 so it was very close between the year 2020 when Jaws and Jurassic Park competed for the number one spot on the box office. Right. That's <laughs> the most interesting thing about this is like you can now have classic movies competing against each other to see who gets the most viewers, and that's amazing. And you know what? I've actually never seen Jaws, so I would probably go. If Jaws You've never were, seen Jaws. I've never seen Jaws. Okay, it's uh, not bad. Nor any of the sequels, but... Uh, I've never seen any of the sequels. I'm I sure mean, they're awful. But. It's not bad, but it's an 80s movie about a killer shark. Yeah, it's so, a I mean, classic. It's, it's right? what you would expect, you know? It's a classic. And uh, that also is a St uh, Steven Spielberg, correct, I believe? I uh, think so. So, yeah, so to put this into perspective, uh, there was a 2013 re-release of Jurassic Park, evidently, yeah. that over one weekend made $18.5 million and placed fourth mm. in the box office. So you said it was five hundred plus thousand dollars, yes, right? at and more than two hundred and thirty movie theaters. Okay, so and a lot of them, as you pointed out, are local. That's like one. two grand a theater on average. So what is that like two hundred? <laughs> if they're doing five dollars a seat, which is what they're going to do in Keene for this, they're going to do five dollar a holler tickets for these okay. things. That's four hundred and thirty four seats per average. For, the, for an entire weekend. So that's oh God, like that's, that's one still showing. I mean, that's yeah. like two showings in a two hundred fifty seat movie theater so yeah this is pretty dismal um <laughs> yeah. well i mean i don't know it's five hundred thousand dollars it's hard to call that dismal you know well for a movie that hasn't been out for years that's not bad i guess but it's dismal in that there are not many people that are going out to uh, to see the movies and i think this is a cool idea uh oh, to, i love it I, I you know i'm not a a huge movie buff or anything like that i don't watch Every day, but you know, every couple weeks, I'll, I'll watch a movie. Not in the theaters generally, uh, but at five dollars a pop, 
I'm more likely to go and actually see some of these classics, even some that I've seen before. Like, because you know you'll be entertained. I know I'll be entertained, and I know that on some of these movies, I probably haven't seen them since I was a kid. So some of them that I have seen, it would be a completely different experience to go and see it as, as an adult. You know, you have your whole lifetime of experience. You get, you get more of the adult jokes and things like that, That's right? That's true. I think I was probably six the last time I actually watched Jurassic Park. Yeah. It so. may have been 12 when I watched Jaws. I don't remember the last time I watched uh, Jurassic Park, and I think I've seen, I've definitely seen Back to the Future as an adult, I think, as a younger adult. Yeah, I um, torrented those a few years yeah. ago because I had never seen them, and I was like, you know, people talk about this trilogy, and they say it's really good, so let's, yeah. and, and it's clear that, you know, the second and the third films were filmed, you know, together. Yes. So that, that was very well done. Was that Spielberg as well? No. Uh, I don't think Spielberg was involved, unless he was the producer of it, I don't okay. think he was involved uh, with that, I think it's Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis. Okay, who well, they did a really good job. The two there, so that's cool. Thank you so much for sharing that story. It's uh, that's going to be interesting to watch that over the next few weeks. Another reason why the turnout's going to be small on the box office is because in a lot of places, they're just not open. Yeah, that's true. You cannot reopen theaters in many states, from what I understand. So, and when they finally do, it's going to be a slow go on getting people to actually leave their homes because there are so many people who are afraid. Unnecessarily. You know, uh, all yeah. of the lockdown protests. I mean, they say the COVID numbers are spiking again. Oh, God, we open too soon. It's it's absurd. I mean, it, what, what do people expect to happen this winter? You know, I expect the movie theaters are going to go out of business. I mean, if if they can't put butts in seats, yeah, you know, it's not going to last. I mean, this could be a last desperate gasp by the movie theater business and to try I would to ask, stay alive. I would ask all of these mask wearers, is a life without music concerts, a life without movie theaters, a life without movies being released, oh. is that worth freaking living? Oh, really? Aria, you can go to a music concert. You can do a drive-in one. I... That is not a music concert. No, that is not. sitting in it's your lame. car listening to the stereo for yeah. three hours. No, thank you. It's super lame. <laughs> Uh, they had one that was supposed to be a drive-in rave that they announced in Cleveland, Did I think it was. Did they cancel that? Did they say, oh, we're sorry, we had a momentary lapse of judgment, and we're I canceling this heard. because it's stupid? I, I, it is stupid, <laughs> um, but I have not heard anything about a cancellation. Uh, but the idea would be that you drive in, and then you get two spaces, one in which you park your car, the other in which you're supposed to have your own little dance zone. Yeah, that's... Which at is at like, a rave. Yes, so <laughs> lame. It's like this COVID thing has taken. That's like a second grader's version of a rave. Yeah, it's taken things that have been cool and made them lame. And it's taken things that have been already lame and made them even more pathetic. That's what's happened. I mean, it's just there's nothing fun or cool to do anymore in, in 2020. With the exception of this event, Forkfest. Well, Freedom uh, Fest party. is also happening. In Vegas, that's true. That's true. In the middle of um, July, though, so that's going to be extremely hot. I don't I don't mind Freedom Fest. It's a fine convention. It's a good convention. I enjoyed my time there last year, and I would go back. But this is way better. For, oh, for sure. Nothing compares to Fork Fest and the Porcupine Freedom Festival and being in the woods with a bunch of cool people who really love freedom. It is, uh, you, you know, your Freedom Fest, it's, in a, it's a hotel convention. It's pricey. You're in Vegas. You're at a casino in Vegas. I you've imagine be able prices to in it. Vegas are way down Maybe right so, now. but you still, you've got to be able to afford that particular event. Yeah. And there's well, a lot plus, more I conservatives mean, that, uh, that, that attend that event. It's more of like a libertarian conservative event, and so it's a different mix. More coming up here in moments. Uh, we got Hour 2 on the way. This is Free Talk Live. We're here at ForkFest 2020, ForkFest.party, the website. Or come Remember when you first heard about Bitcoin? 
How long did it take you to realize this little project would soon change the world? Do you kind of wish you had gotten involved sooner? Well, now is your chance to be part of the next revolution in money. Intercoin is working to finally make crypto go mainstream. It's designed to be scalable enough to support everyday payments and even elections without the state. Bitcoin was originally supposed to be a peer-to-peer cash system, the way we would all pay one another without having to trust any third party. But instead, over time, it mostly became a store of value. That's because every 10 minutes, the Bitcoin network must put all transactions into a block. And that block can only hold so much. If crypto is to become mainstream, for everyone to use it in everyday payments, we need a new architecture. One that's as secure as Bitcoin, while being far more scalable. Check out intercoin.org to find out more, and maybe pick up some of those coins for yourself. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Kicking off hour number two here of day number two at ForkFest. 2020. Also, the Porcupine Freedom Festival is going on somewhere. I think it's down there by the pavilion. They're actually not going to even start official events there until Thursday. you got plenty of time to come out. If you want to come hang out with some of the cool uh, Liberty people, that is what this event does, and it does it very well, and it's going to be doing it for the next couple of weeks. So again, you got plenty of time. Go to ForkFest.Party to learn more. We continue here, Ian and Aria, in our remote studio, and we were just talking about events uh, that are happening. You mentioned Freedom Fest is going to happen in Vegas. And right after Freedom Fest, Crypto Vegas and Anarcho Vegas are happening. Now, those are events that also attract pretty much anarchists or you know pure libertarians only. Awesome. Uh, you're not going to see the conservative crowd hanging out at Crypto Vegas and Anarcho Vegas. <laughs> I could imagine not. <laughs> no. So you know, if you care about liberty and you want to do something out out west, this may be the only thing happening out west. Uh, this summer, because they they canceled Burning Man. Not that that was a Liberty event, but it was a thing that happened out west, and it ain't happening this year. It was pretty. Burning Man is pretty far from a Liberty event. Oh, I wasn't saying for a moment that yeah. it was. No, I know. Um, but but it was a thing that happened out west, it, and that's not happening. So uh, Crypto Vegas conference.com and anarchovegas.com lots of great speakers are going to be there uh daily tickets are just twenty dollars and twenty cents a piece you can use code ftl on the websites to save ten percent on vip tickets because you can't get a discount on twenty twenty dollars and twenty cents that's cheap july 18th and 19th you can join free talk live because we are expected to attend and broadcast from this event in vegas for crypto vegas and anarcho vegas you can go to anarchovegas.com crypto vegas conference Dot com as we uh, continue here we were talking about the Jurassic Park versus Jaws in a classic movie death match at the <laughs> like it may literally be a death match because these theaters may go under uh, at some point but uh, the numbers were pretty low it was over half a million dollars gross for Jurassic Park and I presume this is over a one week time frame so it, this, it was last weekend so oh just the weekend yes. Oh, interesting. Okay, so yeah, I wonder. I mean, weekend box office, as I understand it, is always going to be significantly higher, higher than true. I mean, they'll probably make more in a Saturday than they do if you exclude Friday in the entire week prior. So you know? it, that's probably true. But so we were looking at the numbers. It was over two hundred. It was two hundred thirty. Uh, was it? It was two hundred thirty sites. Presumably, that was the word they used. Sites. Okay, so I would imagine theaters. that means theaters. That's probably theaters. So two hundred thirty theaters, and. It turns out there are about 5,000 right. theaters in the United States. Oh, that's, maybe it was 4,000. 
either way, you're talking about maybe 5%, 6-7% of, of all theaters are even screening movies. Yeah. Right? That is so amazing and so sad for that business. I mean, yeah, it was on the way out. There's no doubt about, I think, that, that over time people are migrating away from theaters and they're moving into you know their own home theater systems. Right. Well, I mean, it's an easy it's an easy transition because you don't have to deal with strangers talking through the movies or laughing yeah. obnoxiously or just Babies generally crying. being disruptive. You, when you're sitting at home watching a telev- watching something on your big screen with your home theater surround sound system, right. it's it's very similar to a music I mean, to a movie theater experience, yep. just without the eight dollar per box bag of right. candy or whatever. Yeah, and uh, no annoying children uh, nearby. You can pause the movie. You can go to the bathroom. And you don't have a mildly uncomfortable seat that you're trying not to kick the strangers next to your arm off of, so that you can actually use the armrests. Right. So there's a lot of reasons why people are migrating away from that experience. And you know they tried to come out with uh, 3D again because again they they tried 3D back with uh, in the early 80s. It's just like virtual reality. It's, It's just technology that keeps resurging, and every time they're like, "Hey, we finally figured out this time. This time it's finally gonna." catch on people try that like oh that's neat and then it goes back into the closet for the next <sighs> virtual six reality to seven years. is pretty neat man i mean I, i've tried it and it is pretty neat it is but it's so not there man really uh, i played skyrim vr and oh that that has that's got to be weird it, it was like vertigo the game honestly really but i played a number of other vr games but skyrim i actually made it a fair bit of the way through playing skyrim on vr and of course i was already experienced with the game so but the but yeah. the resolution was terrible compared oh, to what no. I'm used to. Well, I play Skyrim on PC, so it's normally like 4K, uh-huh. and this was noticeably like 640 by 480. That's no good. No, and it was the PlayStation 4 VR system, so it wasn't cheap. I mean, it wasn't yeah. low-end crap. Right, right. But the entire experience was, um, you don't get the tactile sensation that you need for for VR to actually work, you know. I we, see what you mean. That's going to be the next step, right? Where you th- get... That's what it's going to take okay, for so, VR technology. Weird... You're going to have to have an entire room dedicated to allowing oh. you to actually... Okay. A combination of the Wii and VR. That might actually be good. There's no doubt it's going to get better, and I'm not going to be a first-generation adopter of VR technology, right? Like, you definitely want it to get better before you go and spend some money on something like that. Uh, But there was a neat story that I heard about a guy who was in a VR, and I don't know if it was like a, I don't think it was a simulation or a game, or, I I mean, I guess it was a simulation, but I don't think it was a game. But the simulation involved, like, being on a beach or something like that, and... The guy said that he felt like he could feel wind in his hair. Nice. Well, the brain is powerful, man. That's what I mean, right? Like, so that it was so persuasive that the what he was experiencing seemed real enough to where he imagined in his mind other things that could not have been there by by virtue of the whatever the tools were that he was using to experience that. So it was completely in his head. The VR experience that's most memorable to me was with one of these demo games. You just you got into a cage to go underwater to watch sea life or whatever. And, you know, while you're in VR and you're descending through the water, you feel your body descending through the water. Okay. Because that's okay. what your brain is being told is happening. But at the same time, your body it's, isn't. So it's just this. It's not cold, right? It, it's not cold, yeah. and you are not actually 
descending through water. So it's this conflict between reality and Ooh, what your brain yeah. thinks is going on. And right. it may not actually be good for the human brain. That's an interesting theory, <laughs> I got to say. Um, the only time I've done like real VR was over at Derek J and Stevens, so the guys from AnyPay. Yeah. They got one of the Oculus Rifts, which I believe is a first-generation uh, VR product. And Owned by Facebook now. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. I think they actually bought it before it even released, if I recall correctly. I think, I think they, so. Yeah. So, uh, I think Valve impressive. has their own VR system, though. They do. Um, and it was impressive. I mean, it was it was fun. Uh, I had a good time with it. it. It did make me think, you know, should I go and get one of these things sooner yeah. rather than later? And I thought, you know, I just don't, I don't spend enough time playing video games. And I wouldn't be able to get my money's worth out of it, I don't think. I think that I would, like, play it for a short bit. And then probably it would sit and, and collect dust, and I probably wouldn't do a whole lot with it. Now, a good uh, shooter, a first-person shooter like Doom or something like that in mm -hmm. VR, that might actually be kind of fun. Maybe, but the thing that I've seen at least, it seems like one of the major restrictions of VR is the movement aspect. A lot of the games that you play, you're like standing in one place and you look around and you, you know, yeah. you, you maybe you'll move, the game will move you to another location where you stand in one place. But, like, moving is kind of a different issue. Like, with Skyrim, how did yeah. they solve that issue, and was it clunky? It was, it, looks it, clunky. it was definitely clunky, because yeah. at one point, you know, you can you can tilt your head up to look at the mm -hmm. sky in the game, but there's only so far you can actually turn your head to look to look, because you're cabled. You're, you're tied to the right, system. Right, that's a huge so you problem. Can't, you can't just sit there s spinning around in circles right. or whatever. You're going to fall anyway, because yeah. you can't actually see where you're... You're going to run into coffee tables, all of that kind of crap. So. Right. It was a combination of using the right stick as normal and using the headset to actually detect mm. your head movements and all of that. It made thing, very simple things in actual Skyrim, like aiming a bow, inordinately complicated and difficult. Yikes. It's like, if you can't improve on the game by adding this technology, do it. then it's just a gimmick. And that, That's how it felt to me. Not that I played it, but when yeah. I saw video of other people playing it, I'm like, oh, you tried to like horn this into this yeah. you know, this game, and it wasn't really designed that way. But those are things that surely they'll figure out a way to uh, to solve, even if it's just holding a gamepad or something like that, which I imagine is the way some of them do it. Well, that's the way you, they did it with Skyrim. You yeah. just held the controller, but you know, it's... Not immersive. No, right. not at all. All right, uh, so you know whether whether we're talking about pop culture, which is rare on Free Talk Live, but I, you know, it is kind of fun to do it. And this time is especially interesting. Like normally, pop culture isn't that interesting to me. You know, I don't care. I don't care who Brad Pitt's getting married to, right? But but when uh, Jurassic Park is leading at the box office after thirty years almost, <laughs> right? Uh, oh wow, that's yeah. that's pretty amazing. So we do live in very interesting times, and I, I definitely do want to get out to uh, to that movie theater, not only to support the theater itself and you know like hope they stay in business, because even though I I don't spend a lot of time in theaters, I would like them to stick around. It is a cool experience. Yeah. There's more coming up here. It's free time. Talk Live. We're at ForkFest 2020. You can go to ForkFest.party and learn more about the event. It is a decentralized libertarian camping festival for freedom-minded people, whether you call yourself an anarchist or a voluntarist. If you care about liberty and freedom, then uh, you know what? You will find some friends here, friends you, you didn't know you already had, uh, friends that uh, you've never met before in your life. And there are some really good folks here. 
And we're going to continue. It's Ian and Aria in our remote studio. We haven't really, you know, discussed any of the news beyond Jurassic Park versus Jaws, which is very fun and an interesting discussion, but I think we've mined that one uh, at this point. So you just spotted a headline, and I actually had this one in my show prep as well, Aria, about Donald Trump. Apparently, he has uh, issued some new order with regards to protecting statues. Well, he loves his executive orders. I mean, what executive doesn't? But, uh, yeah, Trump evidently is threatening anyone who destroys monuments in the United States with 10 years in prison, according to The Independent. Mm. I would point out that this headline is extremely misleading because what has actually happened is that Trump has authorized the federal government to arrest anyone who vandalizes or destroys any monument, statue, or other such federal property in the United States with up to 10 years in prison. And I imagine the bulk of these statues being destroyed are not federally owned. Why, why would the federal government own Confederate statues? I mean, they might. I don't know. But I would imagine most of these are owned by city governments, local governments, state governments. Not very many owned by the Fed. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I've definitely heard about protests in D.C., and maybe they do have a couple of them somewhere. Who, who knows? Uh, good question. Or maybe they're just generally like preemptively going after you know any kind of statue damage because they figure it could happen regardless of whether or not they're Confederate or not. I mean, and I have said that I support taking down all of the statues. So as long as they're government statues, if they're on public property, I say take them all down. Yeah, I don't care what they do to them. Uh, I mean, I I think that I mean, if as far be, as I'm concerned, it's theirs to destroy. Well, if it's if it's public property, then it's supposedly owned by everybody. Now we know that the reality of it is it's owned by the people calling themselves the state, or the people calling themselves the federal government. That said, I do agree with you. If the people say take the statue down and they want to come take it down, then they should be able to do that. Now, if you don't like that, then I would recommend that you like bid on the statue, like because if you want to be fair with the statues. Then put it up to the highest bidder. Okay, well, we see people don't like the statues, but some people do like the statues. So those of you who want to to keep the statues, you can move it to your own private property. And if you're the highest bidder, it will become your statue at that point. And then you have the right to protect that statue with whatever means of protection that you would like. But that's really that would really put it to the test. Like, how many of the people out there want to protect the Confederate statues? They, those people exist. Well, are they willing to put money into it? Are they willing to actually donate? Or do they just want to complain about it? And uh, co- related to that, do they actually want to protect the statue? Or do they just want to ensure that the statue stays on public land? Good question. Now, if they were given the option of, okay, you like this statue, you can have it. How many of them would actually take it? How many of them, for, for them, it's not about the statue's existence. It's about the statue being there in the public to remind the black, pocu- black population you know, what used to be. Could be because that's that's Those that's when exist, all of these statues right? went up was yeah. pre- pre- during the civil rights era precisely because of that. Presumably, those people do exist. Um, what portion of the population they are, uh, I don't know. Alarmingly, the president added that any charges could be applied retroactively to those who mm. had caused damage to such sites in recent weeks. Now, that that can't be right, can it? Can they say, okay, well, we're making this thing illegal now, but if you did it three weeks ago? I don't think they're making something illegal here. Um, what he's doing is he's he's issuing an executive order, and again, that doesn't make a thing illegal. They probably already have statutes th- uh, 
and I know it's weird talking about statues and statu- statutes. Uh, they probably already have ordinances or whatever, uh, the Federal sta- Statutes Code, I guess they call it, that prohibits the damaging of federal property. He's well, just talking about so. – he's just saying, I, Trump, say that – we will enforce these laws. That's all That's all that he's doing here. He's ordering his agents, hey, you guys, you've got this law. That was way too lucid and sensible to be a to Trump, be Trump impression. Yeah. yeah, you'd have to ramble off about right. yeah, nonsense. So, uh, you know, I don't think that anything different is happening here, in which case, yeah, of course they can go after you for a crime you've already committed if that crime is already, you know, on the books. And I guarantee you this is. They're going to use some sort of... Uh, destruction of federal property code or whatever, and that's it. According to this, the law they're using is the Veterans Memorial Preservation Act, which okay. would not seem to apply to statues of you Confederate soldiers. You, you haven't read the act. It probably I applies not, to all but, statues But in they're DC. not veterans of the United States military. I mean, they literally fought for True. the other side. I guarantee you it's just a general statue uh, oh, for sure. protection provision. I mean, it, it was, I'm not a lawyer anyway. It's so in an act I, titled Veterans. But you put veterans on a thing anytime you want something to pass. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you haven't read it. I haven't read it. We're not going to read it. Um, but then again, we're also not going to go destroy statues in Washington, D.C. No, I have better things to do with my time. Yeah, me too. I got a lot better things to do. Look, I don't like the war statue in uh, Keene Central Square, yeah. but I'm not going to spend any time doing anything about it. Um, although there it's easier some... just to ignore its existence. Well, I didn't even know there was a war statue. I knew there were really? some cannons there. And it's right some, next to it. Some cannonballs. But yeah, I mean, there's a there's a Union soldier it's statue. Just some, it's just some statue. So it's a of statue to murder. It's yeah. a monument to the state. I mean, it's it's an, that filtered it out of my head. It's a monument to mass murder. And you know, it wouldn't bother me if a group of people went down there and took a rope and did whatever the hell you got to do to take a, st- a statue down. I'm sure you have to use more than a rope, but uh, you know, whatever it is that they a use. A killdozer may be. Just run right into it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you know, it doesn't bother me uh, to to have somebody take that down. Uh, but there have been some fun things that we've done with the statue over the years. Uh, I re- I recall when during I mean, we could glue a prosthetic to it. That's that has not been done yet. Uh, but what has been done was Bo Davis, the editor of Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree, one year when we were doing the four twenties out there at, at Central Square, he climbed up the statue. And deposited, I don't think it was that exact uh, flag that is flying behind you, but a very similar peace flag. He slid it into the dude's, like, hands or whatever. Nice. So I so got a picture. It, so we could also put a prosthetic in his hand. Yes, you could. Okay. Uh, but in this case, he had a peace flag in his hands. And so I thought that was a nice photographic moment where this war statue had been turned into a peace statue. So I did support you know that moment but uh, <laughs> sadly the flag did not stay there that's unfortunate yeah. it's sad that you can't fly the flag of peace in you can we are well uh, i was going to say in Keene central square oh in Keene. well on, i mean on a war monument yeah on the war monument well i mean you can at some point somebody's going to come take it down though right because people love their statues and they there's going to be somebody who gets mad about it even though some people probably loved it uh, somebody's going to get angry. They're going to come by. Some Karen. Or they're going to call the fire department, and they're going to send the fire truck out, the ladder truck. and <laughs> To remove the down. peace sign from That's the That's what they monument. did Look, the last time. There was another uh, sign. Somebody put, at some point, somebody put him holding a sign, I think, up there as well somehow. I forget how they did it. But uh, fire truck came out, removed it. What a good use of public funds. Yeah, I don't know what that cost uh, <laughs> to accomplish. 
So uh, we got plenty more coming up here. In fact, uh, news about summer camp. It's reopening. Wow. What's that going to look like now? We'll find it's not out. It's going to look like Rogers. It's going to be lame. I guarantee you. It's Free Talk Live from ForkFest. Do you want more businesses accepting Bitcoin Cash and Dash? Now with any pay, you earn passive income for every purchase at those businesses. Finally, a financial incentive to spread Bitcoin Cash and Dash. You made it happen, so you get the rewards. Download the AnyPay Cash Register app and add your cryptocurrency wallet addresses. Then install it at a real-life business and tell us what you did at AnyPayInc.com. AnyPayInc.com. Free Talk Live. We're here at Rogers Campground for ForkFest 2020 and just having a good old time so far. It's laid back. People are taking it easy. Some people are getting set up. we got a new uh, new vendor that just came in today setting up. they got all kinds of stuff there. I'm not sure what it is yet. It looks like necklaces and jewelry. It, it, it looks like a hippie-type shop. Got to love some uh, some hippie stuff, so uh, we'll check Very that out. Very Grateful Dad-esque. Later, yep. And uh, I don't know how many uh, new vendors we got as far as food are concerned. I know that... Uh, there's at least one place that was just hopping yesterday. They they were smart enough to show up on day one, and they got all the business. Yeah, so I've been naming each day a particular thing. Like Really? Uh, yeah, yesterday was Forkfest for the flippening. Uh, Forkfest for yeah. the flippening. Okay, yeah. gotcha. As in the, the number four. Colon cancer, basically, is what I'm doing. And yesterday was day one. At least Sean is here. Sean, oh, the guy who's Sean is the food. vendor who yeah, was yeah. here yesterday. And who, maybe we'll get a chance to talk to him because I know I he's been so. super busy, but he does take a break uh, daily. He sells like barbecue and he's got homemade sodas and things like that. But he was telling us the other day off the air that he's, his business has been devastated uh, yeah. because they're canceling fairs all over the place. And that's what he does. He goes to fair, fairgrounds and sells fair, you know, fair food and that kind of thing. Uh, and there's nowhere to go. I will say that the best deal here continues to be his stainless steel mug. Okay, for refills the, for the drinks. You get free refills for the duration of the event. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so come on up, ForkFest.party. You can go there, learn more about this excellent event, full of really cool people. And every now and then, we're going to pull one of them over here to uh, to talk. Sometimes people show up and say, "Hey, I got something to to say." And Free Talk Live is normally an open phones discussion, but since we don't have phones, we have an open mic. And uh, we have Peter here with us, and uh, you can give your last name if you like. If not, that's totally fine. Uh, but Peter, welcome to Free Talk Live. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Now, you said you're a big fan of the author Robert Heinlein. Yes. Why Back is that? in the mid-60s, his wife learned how to speak and read Russian fluently, mm-hmm. and they took a tour with tourists at the height of the Cold War. So they were traveling... Uh, throughout Russia, and many people don't know this, but John Paul Jones was the founder of the modern Russian, uh, modern, modern American Navy. And after he founded the American Navy, he went to Russia and founded the Russian Navy. But he's not Russian. So the Russian people, the government, has exterminated his name. So mm-hmm. when Heinlein was in Russia, he was talking with a university history professor at the University of Moscow, and this history professor had never heard the name John Paul Jones. That's a very... They scrubbed him. The commies scrubbed him from history. 
I mean, very he was forming military thing. branches. I'm okay with him being scrubbed from history. It's like, yeah. hey, here's how you can invade people militarily across the ocean. Yeah, I can't say I'm a fan of uh, somebody starting a military, uh, but in this case, they would have had their own military probably anyway. But it does it does give an example of how the communists absolutely, um, you know, manipulated history. But that's true in the United States as well. Yes. Well, yeah. you also mentioned uh, the fact that the KGB was searching his room every day. They would steal all this of is his. Heinlein. Heinlein. Yes. Okay. He, they would steal all of his film. And uh, it came to a point where they would just be in his room when he came back with his mm -hmm. wife, and he would find them searching through his stuff. Well, <laughs> no, we're not hiding this because we got lots of guns. Sure. Yeah. Um, but expect nothing less in Soviet Russia. Right. And and things haven't really changed that much in, in communism, right? So if you go to North Korea today, they will demand that you know you show them your uh, your camera, right? They want to see what photos you've taken. And if they say, delete this... You either delete the thing, or you probably <laughs> go to a work, a work camp. Yeah, a re to be re-educated on the glories of yeah. not taking pictures that the state says you shouldn't take pictures yeah, of. Yeah, and you'll be lucky if you make it home alive. So sadly, uh, communism hasn't certainly hasn't gotten better uh, over over the years. That much is true. So what else did you want to share about Heinlein and his uh, experience? There was a, an episode in which he was on a train with his wife, and they were talking about Lithuania. And Lithuania got taken over when the Soviets just went crazy and took everything over. Mm -hmm. And at one point, he said to his wife about Lithuania having a separate language and being a separate country. And some young girl who was thoroughly brainwashed said, that's absolutely not true. Lithuania has always been part of Russia. And he said, <laughs> In no. her lifetime, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's fake history. Uh-huh. And that's just another example of how they erase the things they don't like. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, things are a little better over there for some of the f former Soviet states now, like Estonia. They've definitely done a lot better uh, since getting out of the uh, the Soviet Union. But uh, Russia, I don't think, has, uh, has gotten too much better. I, mean, I imagine it's better than it was, but I've never been there, so I can't speak to it. How about you? Um, I don't know. I'm not going there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, tell me about your T-shirt. Nobody needs an AR-15. Well, nobody needs a whiny little bitch, yet here you are. <laughs> what does that mean? I saw this uh, on Liberty Doll on mm -hmm. her channel. Uh, her Isn't YouTube. she speaking here? I've never heard of her before, but I, she, I think she's speaking here, right? She. she um, I don't know about speaking, but she's supposed to be one of the judges for the, oh, okay. uh, what do you call it? Um, now, why do, they call the rant? why do they call her Liberty Doll? That's just the name that she uses on her YouTube channel. I see. Shocking. And she's a an amendment person. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I saw her wearing this shirt, and I said, I want a couple of those. <laughs> ah, okay. And was she selling the shirts? Or uh, you ordered them no, online she, somehow? I ordered them from a company called Libertarian Country, and Dude, they okay. sell an assortment. Is it a conversation starter, or does it scare people away from you? I haven't noticed one way or the other, mm -hmm. but I've had a lot of laughs at it. <laughs> very good. Very good. Uh, well, Peter, thanks for uh, sitting in here on Free Talk Live. Definitely appreciate you uh, you being here. And you're a longtime uh, Pork Fest attendee. You've been at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, you said, since what, at least 2006? I think 2006 was my first. And do you live in New Hampshire? Wolfboro. Oh, all right. Now, are you a native? No, I moved here in 67. 
Oh wow. Okay. So you're what do they call that? Pre a pre stater? Somebody who <laughs> somebody who moved to New Hampshire. Uh, did you move here for more freedom in 1967, or was it just a coincidence? No, I was 15 years old, and mm-hmm. my father bought this big house on Lake Winnipesaukee that is now owned by Mitt Romney. Ugh. It was a nice wow. house with lots of lake frontage, and I did lots of scuba diving in the lake. Okay. So you had a good childhood here in uh, in New Hampshire, and you decided to stay. Yes. All right. You lucked out. Uh, the reasons I'm staying are mostly, number one, I have not had automobile insurance for the last 35 years. Wow. All right. So how much money did I save there? A lot. Uh, well, yeah, a little Cash bit. Cash money in the pocket. For sure. Another thing is the lack of uh, real ID. I mm. don't like the idea of real ID. And can you explain for our listeners what that is? The last time I did a renewal on my driver's license, there were three questions that I said, oh, my God, this is wonderful. Question number one, do you want your street address on your driver's license? No. Do you that w- is a nice feature. I will agree with you there. I mean, I, I by no means support driver's licensing and, you know, threatening people for peacefully traveling from one point to another, which is what the state does. But if they're going to have a driver's license, opting, you know, being able to opt out of putting your street address, your home address, to be specific, because yes. uh, you still have to have like a mailing address or something on there. PO box. But uh, yeah, that's that's probably unusual when it comes to state driver's licensing. I don't know how many states allow that. I can say Mississippi does not. Meaning they must put the residential yes. on there. Yeah, and the same thing's true in I think Florida. But. Well, uh, what were the other I, two questions? The other two questions were, do you want the state of New Hampshire? to retain a digital image of your face. And I said, no. And on my driver's license, there is a little digital image in Mm -hmm. the corner, and it's grayed out. Mm. So they don't have a copy of my picture, and I like that. Or so they claim. I mean, you you know, they are the state, and they tend to lie. But it is still a nice question. And number three, what was the third one? The third one had to do with Social Security number. Mm-hmm. Do you want us to retain your Social Security number? No. And that's another thing that also does not appear on the license, where I believe some states it does, from what I understand. But, I believe uh, they've all moved away from it now because it made good. identity theft so stupidly easy. But as I said, Peter, thanks for joining us here on Free Talk Live. Uh, Ian and Arya in our remote studio. And we do have more coming up here, plenty more. Uh, this is going on for a couple weeks at Rogers Campground. This is ForkFest website, ForkFest.com. It's Free Talk Live, and you can take control by joining us. I guess you can't really take control. I'm so used to saying that. Um, yeah, you can join us, as our last gentleman did. He uh, sat down in physical reality, which is very rare with Free Talk Live. Normally, we're in our keen studios, and we take phone calls. We take Discord calls. And the Discord, by the way, is still there. You can still go to discord.lrn.fm and chat it up with other Free Talk Live listeners before, during, and after the show. There's always somebody in there talking about something. Whether you're interested in it or not is another question. It is a, it's a fun experience. I like the Discord. Ian and Aria here in our remote studio. And Free Talk Live brought to you by Intercoin. Intercoin's programmable coins are designed to help groups raise money for a new project or initiative in a way that's compliant with regulations. For people that are into that, 
Coins can uh, represent securities that obey individual rules, like not being sold to U.S. residents for 40 days. Purchased coins can contain rules that govern how they are to be spent and when they can be cashed out. And Intercoin itself is designed to provide full trustless liquidity between any currency pairs, removing the need to list coins on exchanges to enable secondary trading. Intercoin is attempting to regain some of our freedoms that are threatened on the Internet and in meat space. We think that's important here on Free Talk Live, so important that we accepted $40,000 worth of Intercoin tokens from Intercoin Incorporated for advertising. If you think freedom is important, too, check out Intercoin at intercoin.org. You can invest in this project and potentially make big gains or just be involved and perhaps shape its future, intercoin.org. So I said, Aria, a couple segments ago that there's news about summer camp. You did. Did you ever go to summer camp as a kid? Uh, not by choice. Didn't and I wouldn't call to... them summer camps. But yeah, didn't they send you like some sort of Christian indoctrination, like scare the gay away camp? Yeah, or like they, what was it? They, they were pray the gay away camps. Pray the gay away camp. I mean, that's the colloquial nickname for them. But I mean, yeah. So they thought you were gay. Yeah. And uh, it turns out you're trans. Now, I think, I don't know if you're bi. I think I'm you bisexual. Are, right? yeah, so. Well, pansexual is the to, term not, I would use. To a right-wing Christian, that's basically being gay. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. To a right-wing yeah. Christian, I'm as gay as gay gets. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. As long as you're willing to do something with another person of the same sex, that's all they, that's all they see. They, they think Jesus hates you, and so they have camps for that. And that is a whole other discussion we could and should have. <laughs> Oh, I Jesus to... loves me whether they do or not. Right, Jesus exactly. loves me more than he loves them in all likelihood. It's probably true. Uh, if indeed Jesus was you know, who he's supposed to be. So uh, we could talk about that. That's a whole other subject. I bet we could spend three hours on, uh, on what your experiences were like there if we needed to. But right now, it's the summertime, and that means that kids all over would normally be going to summer camp. Now, there's two types of normal-ish summer camps, right? There's the overnight summer camps where you go into the woods and to some sort of camp and you're there for a week or longer or whatever. And, uh, you know, you go canoeing and do camp crafts and things like that. And then there's the daytime summer camps. So that's sort of like not quite school, but the same it's idea. The same, okay. It's outsourcing babysitting, yeah. basically. You send the kids okay. to a day camp while mom and dad are working and they do things that are more fun than they would do if they were going to school. So uh, I did go to some of these, you know, summer day camps as a kid. They would actually have them at the government school locations. And I don't remember much about the experience. It wasn't really that memorable. It wasn't that great. But now it's going to be even worse than it's ever been because of COVID. Yes, for those who are even willing to send their kids to summer camp here's the story from concord new hampshire wmur9 uh, reporting that is the major tv station up here there really aren't very many tv stations in new hampshire but uh, wmur is one of them now that summer's officially here so are summer day camps which were to be able to open as early as monday with restrictions in place because of the covid19 pandemic Days at the state summer camp start with a check on the campers' health. Oh, God. Including their temperature. So, hold, hold on. They're going to start their day, each day, by having Get your their temperature th- taken? Yep. Here's your thermometer, Johnny. That's horrible. That, that sounds like the least fun summer camp experience ever. Well, remember. I mean, you're supposed to wake up and, like... Laugh and joke and yeah, and maybe have fun. Have, maybe get forced to go out and exercise for a bit before you start running around like a maniac. But yeah. no, I'm sorry, Aria. The uh, fun has been removed uh, from summer camp. Now 
it's a medical procedure. Uh, so, <laughs> I wish I could argue with that, but I mean that that is exactly what you just described. Is waking up, having your temperature taken. It's yeah. That's let's go on. That's just the beginning. Guidelines for reopening call for additional cleaning and staff has been added. The guidelines also limit the number of campers in a group to nine, along with one instructor. Quote. That group remains the same each week, and then week after week, so with the same instructor. That's really the key to try and limit how many kids are around, and really, the exposure, said Chris Edmond, the CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Concord. So, I do recall that at summer camp, um, you know, because we're mixed in whatever groups they would be together, right? Like at lunchtime sure. or, you know, in various different activities, whatever those were, whatever games or things uh, were being played, you could mill about with whomever. Nope. Now they're going to decide who are in your group of nine and you will stay in that group. Uh, sorry if you don't like those people. You may maybe you can complain to the administrator and they uh, may review your claims. Uh, perhaps they will reset you in a different group. But uh, nope, you got to stay with the same people. And if you're not having that much fun with them, well, sorry. They don't get along with you that well? Or if oh, one well. of those kids is a bully and you're their chosen target. Right. Yeah, wow, and that that's... does happen in these in these camps because they are government-operated uh, or, you know, in tandem with government, right? So, like, the Boys and Girls Club may have access to the facility with uh, the government facilities. I don't know how they do it in New Hampshire, but like I said, when I went in Florida, they were at the government schools. Uh, inside the building, each group has its own designated play area, oh. marked off with lines on the floor. While the camp is operating at just 60% capacity, the waiting list hasn't been as long as expected. Said Edmund, quote, a lot of parents are still working from home. So, now, of course, that's proof that this is a relatively undesirable place to send your kids, right? Because, you know, you can keep them home. And then they can, you know, do the things that they want to do. This is a place where you send your kids to do things that they're told to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's more. It and they certainly can't play in their neighborhood with groups of nine or more. Well, they could. I, I know. That, that was being facetious. I, there weren't that many kids in my neighborhood, so I yeah. wasn't used to that. But um, So let's continue. The biggest change... Oh, no, here's another one. At Camp Sergeant in Merrimack, an effort is also being made to make this year as normal as possible. Okay. I think they've already failed in that effort. Quote, we have every activity we would normally run in camps, whether it's here at Camp Sergeant, where I am right now, or in our camps at the YMCA branches, said Joseph Manzoli of the Greater Nashville YMCA. The biggest change, they say, is to ensure campers stay in their individual groups, regardless of what they're doing. While so far they've been able to meet the demands of families, it has been a challenge. So they're saying that it's the families who I don't are demanding this. I mean, it may be because summer camp, I, I don't know, it seems like sort of a a certain type of idea for a certain type of family. And I wouldn't be surprised to find that the, the parents who are sending their kids to summer camps are more predominantly Karen types mm. than they are free-minded types because the free-minded ones aren't likely to send their kids away to yeah. be raised by someone else. I think you're right about that. I think a, a free-minded person would allow their children to do the things they want to do. Yeah, it's like, here's know? a BB gun. Go. If you lose an eye, it's your fault. <laughs> and th that's the proper approach to parenting. Well. Oh, you picked up that cat and it scratched you. You might not want to pick that cat back up like that. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Yeah, indeed. And then there's a big conversation that happens at events like this about parenting. 
Um, and within the libertarian community, there are disagreements, right? So, like, you and I might agree on this, this perspective, but there are still the Karen parents within the libertarian – I think within the libertarian community. There's a certain group of people who believe they own their kids. Yeah. That, that, that's that's a horrible mentality. Yeah, and the, and and they justify it with the libertarian principles they believe by saying, "Well, they're my property. Yeah, as I, long as they're under my roof." I, I, I don't know property. how that lines up with libertarian principles, though. Well, it's the idea of ownership. You know, the idea but that this is you a human own being. this child until they are until they emancipate themselves from you. Which, of course, not all of them support emancipation either. <laughs> Do so. they support freaking slavery then? Uh, I mean, the, well, the idea that you can own another human being, what, I mean, and that's how these people are. They're essentially saying that their children are their slaves. That's their, their property. way to put it. Yeah. They can make them go clean the bathroom, whatever. Yeah, you should teach your kids to have a good work, th- work ethic and all of that. But that's sure. fundamentally different from saying, you're my property, go work because I said so, or I'm going to beat you. <laughs> I mean, let, let's see if we have yeah, some. And I also don't think it's libertarian to beat your kids either. No, and I would I'm agree. also against spanking. I uh, think that's just a difference in degrees. Yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page on, on that. <laughs> As two people who, by the way, don't want children at all. We were talking about this off the air the other day. Not interested. It sounds like we'd be good parents, though. Uh, right? <laughs> they always say that about the people that don't want kids. You'd be such a great parent. All right, so more coming up here. Uh, we got hour three on the way. It is Free Talk Live. We're at ForkFest 2020 at ForkFest.party. Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin cash. Local.bitcoin.com Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. We're here kicking off the third hour of this not so live edition. I mean, we're recording it live. So it's still kind of live. We're actually live here in person. I think everything is technically recorded live. True, but some stuff, especially in podcasts, is edited heavily. Uh, yeah, so true. a lot of podcasters go in and they take out all their uhs and their ums and they take out you know any blank space where they're trying to figure out what to talk about or whatever right like they go through a lengthy editing process to clean up the uh, the audio we I don't suppose do that learning audio editing is easier than learning to speak on the radio yeah i guess you're right about that well and you know plus I mean, why learn to sing if you can use a freaking auto tuner right yeah well i mean one of the benefits of a podcast is you kind of can do it however you want and you're not nailed down to a clock so you don't have to fill to a certain time frame you can just say well i'm done and if it's a 15 minute you know or three minute or whatever or 35 minute you know it doesn't matter in the podcast world but we are not like that. Even though we have a podcast, we are first and foremost a radio show, and we have radio stations that air this program. And so thank you to all of the great radio uh, stations across the United States and beyond, because we do go out as far away as Guam and, uh, and Alaska. So thank you to everybody that listens to the show. However it is that you find yourself doing that, uh, we definitely appreciate you. In fact, uh, it's Ian and Aria here at our remote studio. 
As we're at ForkFest 2020, you can go to ForkFest.party and you can learn more about this great event. It is in its fourth year, and we've really yet to see what it's going to be like. Uh, you know, we're just tasting the early, the earliest days of it here, and it's, I wouldn't call it slow, but it's definitely not what it's going to be. It's going to continue to build yeah. up. Um, so by comparison to what it is this going to be this weekend, it is slow by comparison, but there's still plenty going on here. There are a lot of vendors, uh, setting up. Hopefully we're going to see some more food here within the next uh, couple of days. Not to say that the existing food is bad. I had uh, some barbecue pulled pork yesterday, and I paid gold backs for my uh, pulled pork, which is awesome. And the guy down the the way here that's selling flags, he's got like a Don't Tread on Me. Uh, He's got some pirate-related flags there. He's apparently the Somalian flag. He's also doing waffles or something. Okay, good to know. He also is taking gold backs. So uh, I'm hoping that we're going to see a bunch of gold back acceptance this year that would be fantastic because the the history of these sorts of events and i you know i've i've been coming to liberty events in new hampshire since 2007 i moved here in 2006 but it was right after their events of that for that year but in uh you know back in the day alternative currencies didn't mean crypto it meant silver that's yeah. what people were using they had ounces or tenth of an ounce of uh, of silver pieces there were even a couple of free staters. In fact, speak of the devil, Silver Dave, right behind us there in that car, he was actually manufacturing silver in his house uh, in New Hampshire. He'd like bought like fancy silver manufacturing equipment and had his own company called Sons of Liberty Mint. And uh, and and now he's uh, now he's behind Gun Church, which is a really cool thing. And maybe we'll get Dave over here to talk about that with us at some point because I know he's actually going to be cooking tonight. Um, he's he's doing he's he's going to be the first big competitor I think to the uh, place that's been open since yesterday, uh, but it's going to be a different kind of competition because Silver Dave does like fancy dinners, so okay. he's going to be like cooking up salmon tonight and probably have some sort of fancy veggie or something like that uh, next to it. So it's like you want to pay you want to pay a little bit more. You want to have a little bit of a nicer uh, quality of food. You can get that here. Uh, at Fork Fest. And I assume he's going to take goldbacks. Um, I don't know, but I would I would hope he does because he himself has purchased goldbacks in the past. So I suspect I that know. I suspect that he has an appreciation for the goldback. For listeners that aren't familiar, what is that? It is a dollar shaped and it's a very dollar sized uh, piece of gold that actually contains gold woven into it or laid into it or whatever. It's got some really complicated manufacturing process behind mm-hmm. it, but it it basically made gold useful, yeah. whereas, you know, prior you carry around a tenth of an ounce of gold or whatever, and that, that's worth... That's $200. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't buy a lunch with that. But here yep. you, you can carry around and easily transact a thousandth of a troy ounce of gold, yep. which yeah, is about 3 or $4 worth of actual gold. So, I mean, it's extremely it's useful. It's about $1.75 at oh. spot prices, uh, but you can't get gold for spot. You can't. True. So, like I said, like you know, you might pay two thousand dollars for an ounce. So it might be two dollars worth of gold. And then there's a dollar's worth of manufacturing process that you know essentially goes into it to make it useful. So that's worth something. And some people will pay as much as five dollars uh, for one of those. There's a guy in Keene uh, who actually Rob from Vermont. Uh, he's one of our longtime listeners and people in the Discord know Rob. He's been buying goldbacks from me and reselling them at five dollars a piece. Uh, to like some older folks in Vermont. Nice. Yeah. And entrepreneurship. I love it. Yeah. And the fact is, I mean, if somebody balks at that and says that's too much, 
Well, right now you can go to Atmex, which is a very popular gold and silver selling dealer kind of website, and they will sell you a gold back for $4.79 plus shipping. So it's going to be about 5 bucks. It's anyway. probably going to be more than, I would guess, yeah. with, uh, with whatever it's going to cost to ship that gold. So I mean, like all things, you got to buy more of it to make, to make the it shipping costs. Yeah, right. And uh, so, you know, it's interesting because it's, what is it worth? Well, it's worth whatever somebody will pay for it. Yep. You can get it for as low as $3 if you buy enough of them from the, the manufacturer, which sure. uh, you can go and learn more about that at goldback.com. They're not a sponsor of the show, but I am a huge fan of the Goldback, and I, I'm doing what I can to try to help uh, incentivize the New Hampshire Goldback. That should be manufactured at some point this year if all goes well. We're looking at Nevada being the second state. The first state was Utah. I don't know if we mentioned that, but it's a Utah goldback. And, of course, it's the Mormons that are, are behind this, right? Like, really? Yeah. There are, okay. people who, there are people who understand real value as far as currency is concerned. They get gold. They get silver. They get you know being prepared for things that go wrong, like... The Mormons, it's part of their religious belief system, as I understand it. Well, so is to, magic underwear. Well, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's perfect. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying join the Mormons, okay? I'm not, not saying that at all. Um, there's a lot of crazy when it comes to a lot of organized religion. But it's probably not that crazy to have some gold and some silver and some stored food and the things that the Mormons are supposed to do. So kudos to them for coming up. Uh, and it was just one guy. Uh, kudos to Jeremy who is the creator of the Goldback. It's a wonderful product. Oh, wow. and, uh, yeah. But, but to, you know, just again, to throw back here at these events, you would see people using silver regularly at previous Porcupine Freedom Festivals. And then when, because silver is what, like 18 an ounce, something yeah. like that? Yeah, so you can have a tenth of an ounce of silver, and it's a little easier to deal with. You can buy smaller items with, with that. And, uh, and so that was pretty popular at, at these events. But once cryptocurrency hit the, the scene, once Bitcoin came out, um, I mean, it just washed away all of the talk of uh, silver and gold as far as it being, you know, useful for alternative currencies. Because liberty-minded, uh, you know, activist types love a good alternative currency. <laughs> but Yes, we do. And that's because we want to get away from the Federal Reserve and government money. And, you know, that's a whole other discussion. But we love alternatives. And, and the fact is, in the early days, back when Bitcoin was affordable to use, it's now gotten expensive and kind of decrepit. But... Um, it was the best option. It was sure. easier to use than even silver, although on a campground with limited internet connectivity, it can have its challenges. But so long as you have a semi-decent internet connection, you can use cryptocurrency fairly effectively. And it just kind of took over these events um, over time. Well, it's hard to beat for convenience. You know, you don't have to carry around anything except what you're already carrying, which is going to be your cell phone. Correct. And I didn't that, even bring cash to this event. Really? Really? Because you were expecting to not have to spend it, right? I just brought crypto and gold. It's that you can really survive. Off if I of can't get that. something with crypto and gold, then I'm going somewhere Wait where I can. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm calling you out. You gave me cash earlier I, today. I got that cash from selling crypto, though. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay so you didn't. I, bring I it brought to the event. no cash. Yeah, yes. Okay. Got it. Got it. And I immediately turned that <laughs> cash into <laughs> gold. gold. So, I, mean, <laughs> I love it. See, that's how it should be, right? This is a. As uh, I hear you take this stuff, I don't want that. It's a voluntarist event. You got people with guns, drugs, gold, and alleged, crypto. alleged, all drugs. in the same place. 
and it is uh, it is beautiful. If you don't, if you can't make it up here, then you know mark your calendar for late June for 2021. This is going to happen again, but you still have time to get here. You've got most of the next week and a half. We're going to be here all the way until July 5th. So we got a lot more broadcasting to do here, uh, and of course a lot more uh, topics to cover here on tonight's show. Coming up, a uh, apparently a soldier's been busted for trying to help out a neo-Nazi Satanist group. We'll tell you about that on the way. This is Free Talk Live, Forkfest.party. Check out that. Free Talk Live. We're at ForkFest 2020. You can go to ForkFest.party and learn more about this event uh, as it just is getting started here on day number two. I, you know, it's hard to estimate numbers of people in the campground, and, and we haven't walked the campground in any meaningful sense yet. I have yet to go back into the actual camping area where people have just sort of tent camping going on. It looks like there are also vendor sites set up back there. Oh, and yeah. we know of at least one. Yes, uh, that's correct. I, I think there's probably more than one uh, set up back there already. And so that's always a good sign. And then there's several rows more of RVs that go quite a distance. So, you know, we may be up to 300. I, I don't know. Um, I I've wouldn't seen, have any idea. I've seen a fair number of people here. But they're not all in one place, so you can't do like a crowd count that's, you know, real easy to, uh, to accomplish. Not that I'm good at that either, but uh, there's some people who are. Anyway, ForkFest.Party is where you can learn more about the event. And we've, you know, we've been talking to people. We've been talking about some, some of the news of the day. And I was looking at some of the news of the day. And here's a bizarre story, Aria, that I thought would you might have something <laughs> extra to say about. According to NBCNewYork.com, a U.S. Army soldier is facing a slew of terrorism charges after allegedly giving classified military information to a white supremacist group with satanic leanings as part of a uh, deadly plot against members of his own unit, alleged the prosecutors. The charges announced uh, apparently Monday in Manhattan Federal Court alleged that Army Private Ethan Melzer gave information about U.S. troops stationed overseas, including whereabouts, movement, and security details to the Order of the Nine Angles. And it looks like angels, right, when you first uh, look at it because... Well, it's supposed to be a satanic group, but for whatever reason, they're the Order of the Nine Angles. O-9-A is what this is. It has to do with the sigil of Lucifer and oh. a certain way of drawing it that has nine, nine angles. angles. Ah, thank you for clarifying. See, I knew sure. that having you here with, uh, would help. <laughs> By the way, for listeners that don't know, Arya is the high priestess of the Reformed Satanic Church. And yeah, we this talk is the kind that. of crap we Reformed from. And, and I want to hear more about the Reforms and, and a website, though, for the Reformed Satanic Church. ReformedSatanicChurch.com. So check that out. Uh, but these people are also claiming to be Satanists. The intel supplied by Melzer was to be used as a way to carry out a, quote, mass, uh, mass casualty incident, according to the criminal complaint and indictment. Southern Poverty Law Center has described O9A as a, quote, occult neo-Nazi organization and british lawmakers have called for the group which was founded there to be banned prosecutors called the group a quote neo-nazi and racially motivated violent extremist group unquote which has praised some of history's most notorious figures such as adolf hitler and osama bin laden members and associates of the group have carried out acts of violence and even murders in the past yeah, see, it's the occult part that i think causes the problem and this is why i would lump this 
up order of nine angles or whatever in with the actual Church of Satan. It, they have a lot of occultism between them, and I think that that lends itself to that particular interpretation of Satanism that involves the 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 child rape, the human sacrifice, the drinking of goat's blood, and that kind now, of. Now wait crap. a minute. Now the Church of Satan doesn't do that stuff, do they? No, they're but human. The, aren't but they, they supposed to be humanists? They, they use the same occult symbolism, and th- this was key to mm-hmm. Anton Lavey. That his whole thing was: we need this occult symbolism in order to make people pleased, in order to give them a sense of comfort with this new religion that we're forming. Hmm. And so they borrowed a lot from the occult. This sort of witchcraft, dark Satan. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, we're not talking about Wicca here or, yeah. you know. Was the intention to be like scary to the Karens of the world? I mean, was that kind of. That was part was of it, I think, mm-hmm. because, I mean, obviously Satanism is counter to uh, Christianity mm-hmm. or to the Christian church, at least, not necessarily Christianity itself. Right. So they borrowed the symbols of the enemies of Christianity, which for the longest time was paganism. Gotcha. And obviously, Luciferian and Satanic symbology got worked in as well. But, I mean, the bulk of the Satanic Church's actual symbology is from paganism, paganism. and not anything to do with well, Christianity. Isn't that true of the Christians, too? I mean, like, the the Christians borrowed heavily from the pagans, did they not? Sure. I mean, yeah. the, there's accounts that are closely parallel to the stories of Jesus Christ that date back to, right. like, 3000 BCE. Definitely. So, I mean, it's not a new idea in any sense. It was just this is the branding that caught on. And so the, largely the branding that caught on with the pentagram has been witchcraft and evil black magic type of crap. And we have mm-hmm. Hollywood to thank for this, obviously. But, well, it makes it a lot more interesting. Right? Sure. Yeah, that stuff. But, I mean, there's nothing satanic about the pentagram. And actually the entire reason, that, or the pentacle, whatever you wish to call it, the mm-hmm. entire reason that exists, I mean, it came from astrom- astronomy. And the fact that that's sort of the pattern that Venus traces as it oh, orbits really? the sun over a certain number of years. And the Satanists just lifted that. That became the symbol of someone who knows about astronomy Mm -hmm. was the pentagram or the pentacle or whatever. And somehow it became adopted by Wicca and the occult and paganism and all of this other stuff that doesn't have anything to do with actual science and astronomy. Now it's astrology more than anything that's associated with. Well, here's what O9A, which is, again, the Order of the Nine Angles... Uh, UK group Hope Not Hate in its annual State of Hate report, sounds like a real page turner, cited O9A as a major influence on Nazi terror groups both in the United States and Europe. Quote, O9A seeks to harness supernatural forces and to overthrow the alleged, quote, Nazarene magician Jewish influence on society, reduce the population of, quote, mundanes through the acts of extreme barbarism, and usher in a new imperial aeon, or age, ruled by a race of satanic supermen who would colonize the <laughs> I solar I told you I system. got a headache reading this stuff, man. Yeah, well, you, uh, we, right, because we brought it up right before the show started, yeah. and you went to uh, do a little research on this. Yeah, so this is a group. This is a group of Satanists who believe that Satan is an actual existing entity, which which mm-hmm. is distinct from both the Reformed Satanic Church and the actual Church of Satan. Uh, to to us, we share this in common: is that Satan or Lucifer is a symbol mm-hmm. and not to be interpreted as an actual being with an actual existence, just an idea. But this and group, what is that idea? Uh, rebellion, resisting authority, standing up to the arbitrary demands of someone who says mm-hmm. they have power over you because they're above you and that's that, and saying, no, I'm not going to kneel. I'm not going to obey. I'm not going to comply. That's what Lucifer did. 
That's what got him cast out of heaven. There's no if you more, believe the yeah, story. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all mythology, right? Yeah. But, I mean, there is no more ultimate uh, arbitrary authority than the authority of a God telling you to obey, mm. or it will cast you into eternal damnation. And Lucifer said, no, I'm not going to obey. That's why he, he's the ultimate anarchist, man. Yeah, I, I got to say, I, you're, you're speaking my language. So, I mean, I've yeah. always had respect for that. I, I always enjoyed the, uh, the Devil's Advocate. Do you ever see that movie? Uh, with Keanu Reeves? Yeah, with oh, Keanu yeah. Reeves. Yeah. The speech at the end. I've by, only seen uh, it once. I need to watch it again. By though. Al Pacino. That speech <laughs> is pretty fantastic. I don't remember the speech. Like I said, I've only seen it once. Vanity. Definitely my favorite sin. Yeah, that's another line. Uh, Hef is uh, in our studio, studio audience. He's obviously familiar with that film. Uh, so Meltzer joined the hate group in 2019, the year after he joined the Army. Before he began plotting the attack, the Louisville, Kentucky resident had been reading and gathering propaganda from a variety of extremist groups like O9A and ISIS. The criminal complaint and indictment read, one of the documents that are from ISIS that the FBI seized from his iCloud account described attacks and killings oh <laughs> of U.S. personnel believed to have been carried out in April. So it wasn't only crazy, he was also stupid and putting you know terrorism documents on, on his iCloud. freaking iCloud yeah. account. Okay. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. So more about this uh, brilliant plot that they apparently foiled here in moments. And this is Free Talk Live. We're at Fort Fest. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the liberty movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Hey, Free Talk Live here at ForkFest 2020. You can go to ForkFest.party and learn more about the event that continues for basically two weeks. And it's going to go through or until the 5th. So you'll get to celebrate the 4th of July if you're here for that at uh, the beautiful Rogers Campground here in the northern White Mountains of New Hampshire. By the way, Free Talk Live brought to you by Bitcoin.com, a great place to go and learn about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. So you want to get started on the road of knowledge about crypto like Bitcoin? Get on over to Bitcoin.com. They can help you with that. They've also got a great news site for those of you who are not new to crypto and you just want to get the latest headlines and such. You can do that easily at Bitcoin.com. It's Ian with you here. Aria. And so we've been talking about this supposed Satanist. Uh, somebody who well, he's certainly a Satanist. I mean, anyone who calls himself a Satanist, I have, a Satanist. Yeah, I have no reason to doubt them. It's but just the, not like the, a lot of Satanists. Yeah, the brand of Satanism that they follow is nonsensical. Yeah, I they, mean, it, it's worse than the Judeo-Christian mythology that they're trying to well, it stems put from it into. It. it came from that, right? Like yeah. they're just another variant on that. Um, and so this guy was apparently in the military. He is facing terrorism charges after giving classified military information to this white supremacist Nazi satanic cult uh, called O9A, which stands for Order of the Nine Angles, O9A. And according to the allegations here, this is uh, NBCNewYork.com reporting that he joined the hate group in 2019. He had put 
documents from ISIS and O9A on his iCloud account. Uh, the ISIS documents described attacks and killings of U.S. personnel believed to have been carried out in April. Around that same time, his army unit was told that it would be sent on a further foreign deployment. After receiving the assignment, the 22-year-old sent encrypted messages to members of O9A and a related group called Rape Waffen Division that pledged his support to their causes and contained the classified location information according to the criminal complaint and indictment. So, so how did they get the info if he supposedly encrypted it? It sounds like an FBI group? plant. It sounds like there's uh, probably more than one FBI plant on the inside of the O9A, which really does beg the question of what percentage of these hate groups are actually people who really you know hate whatever group they supposedly hate versus undercover FBI agents. I don't really see a difference. I mean, if they're if they're playing this role, uh, pretending to be part of this hate group, then then they're committing the same quote crimes as the, as this army guy, right? It's just like the FBI distributing child pornography in order mm. to catch people who were downloading child pornography. It's like, okay, but you're you're as guilty as the people you're after. Well, I mean, you're right about that second point about the FBI running a child porn site, but in this case. There's less harm. They're not doing any crime specifically by sitting in the group and monitoring it, right? Can they can they get that far within the group without doing something that benefits the group? Good question. Yeah, is there some sort of a uh, initiation yeah. that they have to go through? I mean, That's you can't just show question. up at the KKK and become the Grand Dragon or whatever they're called, getting encrypted messages about Touché. military activities. Yeah. That's an excellent question, and this is the first time you and I have both heard of this group, so obviously we don't know. Anything about, you know, what sort of hoops you got to jump through in order to join the Order of the Nine Angles. But, yeah, that's a good point. What kind of hoops did these agents jump through in order to get whatever positions in the group that they've, uh, that they've received? So, uh, according to NBCNewYork.com, so, again, he was going to be sent off somewhere. He then sent notice to his uh, bosses at the cult about No, it's just that. like him saying, hey, I'm not going to be in the next few meetings. I'm being deployed to Syria. Yeah, and it's not clear. I mean, it says here he pledged his support to their causes, and the information contained the classified location of where his group would be, presumably in the, the Middle East, I'm guessing. But uh, Melzer and members of the groups allegedly planned what they called a jihadi attack in which the soldier said he was willing to die. Quote, who gives a Well, F? he was obviously willing to die. He joined the military. Correct. But in this case, he's wanting to die, apparently, for the Order of the Nine Angles and potentially kill the members of the military. So he was allegedly in a double agent or, you know, was trying yeah. to plot something here. He says, quote, who give an F? It would be another war. I would have died successfully because another 10-year war in the Middle East would definitely leave a mark. So maybe he thinks he's going to spark another war. Is that maybe what he's talking about there? Obviously, that we don't seems have the full... to be what his intention was. Yeah. Sometime, or to maybe, set, maybe do some sort of false flag attack? Sometime around May 17th, Melzer traded messages with a purported member of al-Qaeda about the upcoming deployment, according to court documents. Notice they say a purported member of al-Qaeda. So it's likely an I thought al-Qaeda wasn't the enemy anyway. 
Well, I don't know. He's uh, He thought he was talking with Al-Qaeda, and okay. that was good enough for him. <laughs> uh, according to the court documents, a week later he sent more specific information regarding his unit and the assignment, including the number of soldiers traveling, location of the facility he expected to be sent to, and information about that facility's surveillance and defense capabilities. He also promised more information once they arrived at the location as a way to maximize the likelihood of a successful attack, the criminal complaint indictment read. So it sounds almost like he wanted to stir al-Qaeda up into attacking, like as a member of this satanic cult, this Nazi satanic cult, he wanted al-Qaeda to attack his members of the U.S. military at this location, which he believed would spark another 10-year-long conflict. That seems to be, from the bare information that we have here, what he may have believed was going Dude to Dude has played way too much Call of Duty. Yeah, and it sounds to me like this is one of those uh, situations where the federal government is, is masquerading as all of the people involved here, right? So they And probably... it sounds like they're probably egging him on, because that's a stupid yes. plan, and I, I have more faith in humanity than to believe that someone, even as crazy as they must be to believe what this guy purportedly believes, would come up with a plan like that on their own. Well, and that's what we usually end up finding out with these supposed terror plots that get busted by the feds, is that the feds ginned up a lot of the plan and controversy and intended to encourage these sorts of things from happening. And so I'm just going to guess here, he joined, or what he thought was, this O9A, and it was infiltrated by, or maybe even originally created by, the federal government, right? What if they made the O9A in the first place, which would mean they would control, you know, all the people who are at the upper echelon of it? So I wouldn't be surprised, because combining Satanism with Nazism is something only bizarre. the federal government would come up with. Yeah, they, it's like they took two of the most offensive things to people, <laughs> right, yeah. and combined them together. So, you know, where, whatever the origin of this 09A, we don't know, but it sounds like he reached out to at least one of their clubs, uh, or maybe there's only one, right? Can, can you imagine there's more than one? But um, <laughs> but he reached out to them and said, hey, He I'm just in the walks military. into a bar one night. Hey, is this the satanic Nazi club? Right, is this where the 09A <laughs> hang out? Hey, I've got somebody I want to bomb. Uh, so he's, you know, looking for, you know, a lot of these people are looking to belong to something, right? They, uh, they don't feel like they belong in life, so they go into these bizarre cults. And so he reaches out to these people and they say, well, yeah, we'd love to have you, uh, help us kill some people in the military. And so the whole time it's the federal government talking to him. They're like, well, you're going to be deployed to the, uh, the Middle East. So we know somebody at Al-Qaeda. And so you could talk to Al-Qaeda about this, and then you could give Al-Qaeda this information. He's like, oh, yeah, okay. So then this they turn 100% over. like a setup. Then well, I mean, maybe not over. a setup because he was obviously you know, willing to partake in these acts. I mean, he, yeah. presumably he sought out the group. That's presumably what happened. But uh, yeah, my allegation here is the group is likely infiltrated heavily by the federal government because otherwise yeah. how would they have known that these things? How would he have been connected with Al-Qaeda? What are the odds Al-Qaeda would be connected with a neo-Nazi group to begin with? Uh, well, they you know, both hate Jews, right? If this were real, you know, what are the odds? Well, the neo-Nazis would hate al-Qaeda, too. Oh, that's true. Right? Because yeah. neo-Nazis are white supremacists, I presume. Uh, so so that's what happened. And after his arrest, uh, officials, they say here, thwarted the plan. Again, he had given them already some information and promised more when he arrived at loca the location. They thwarted the plan in late May, and Melzer was arrested June 10th. He was in custody in the U.S., awaiting arraignment. After his arrest, he admitted to his deadly plans and said his goal I'm not was sure how deadly his plans were going to be. I mean, it's like, kind of like a Wiley Coyote plan. <laughs>
Well, <laughs> I just don't see I just don't see that string of events being remotely successful. Well, if even there was, if all of those people were authentic. Yeah. Well, if there's any chance for him to defend the plot by saying it wasn't me, he said it was me. So like <laughs> he's going up the river. Uh, more coming up here in moments. This is free talk. We're here at Forkfest, the final segment of day number two, and uh, you're hearing this the next day, but it doesn't matter to you because you're not here, so you don't know what it's like one day to the, to the next, but you could be here. You could come out and join us. If you're in New England, it's pretty easy to get here from pretty much anywhere. You just you know straight shot up north in New Hampshire and come to Rogers Campground. You can camp out. You can bring an RV. You can even get a motel space. I believe there's still some motel space available. And we are going to be here through the end of next week. So we've got literally a dozen-plus days of, uh, of broadcast fun here and uh, even a studio audience. Thank you to everybody for joining us out here on uh, what has been a relatively hot day here. It's been very warm. I think it's like 93 right now. Yeah, I believe it. It's been, uh, you know, at least we're under the shade. It's a little breezy, and uh, it is a beautiful group of people, wonderful time so far here, and it's just getting started. It's likely going to ramp up toward the end of this week, so if you can get up here for the weekend, uh, that'll be the peak of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is likely going to have several hundred attendees. Uh, from what I understand. And then, of course, ForkFest continues on for another week after that. Uh, and we don't know what to expect out of that, but that's going to ramp up towards that weekend where there will be some Independence Day-related uh, fireworks and festivities and things like that. So bring up, you know, bring up the family, bring up the dogs. You, know, you brought your cats? I did. As well? I mean, that, that wasn't for, like, you know, them to hang out or whatever. It's just because, you know, they're kind of dependent, and I'm yeah. co- we have a mutually codependent relationship, and well, two weeks away from them is a bit extreme. Well, plus, uh, you can actually have cats in the hotel room here. It's cool. They're that's cool true. with that, so yeah. that's a nice thing. Uh, of course, we got the studio beast here. Jazzy is uh, on site. She's currently guarding her food from uh, from another dog at the moment. She's making sure that uh, the other dog knows that is Jazzy's food. Uh, so unfortunately, we cannot bring you uh, live video ca- camera footage of Jazzy. That's one of the things that people really enjoy about our webcam feed is the uh, the Jazzy cam because it's we just don't have bandwidth for video out here. But we'll get some pictures. We'll uh, we'll take some pictures of uh, the dome and you know other cool things that are that are happening around here uh, at uh, Rogers Campground. Go to ForkFest.Party. You can learn more about the event there. But let's wrap up this story about the Nazi Satanists. Allegedly, then we're not sure if there's anyone who isn't a federal <laughs> agent uh, that's a member of this particular group. But uh, apparently, they attracted some soldier who wanted to attack his own group or have his uh, his group of soldiers attacked. Or they sought out some soldier who was already listening, like Richard Spencer and Chris Cantwell or whatever. Yeah, and they were like, knows? "Hey, we have an idea here." Right? Who knows what sort of machinations they went through to yeah. make this plan? come to uh, to fruition to whatever extent it did. Uh, but the soldier's name, Meltzer, uh, that's his last name, his first name, I don't know. We'll see if we can figure out that here later. Um, Ethan, Army Private Ethan Meltzer, arrested for allegedly conspiring with terrorists. And, I mean, he's a private, so it's not like he had a lot of classified information to no. begin with. No, he, but he did know where he they were taking He had his deployment him. orders. Yeah, they knew where, they're, where he was going. And, uh, quote, this is a statement from the acting U.S. attorney. He called, or she called, Metzler the, or Melzer, quote, the enemy within. 
for his plan to take out as many of his fellow soldiers as possible. Quote, Melzer allegedly attempted to orchestrate a murderous ambush on his own unit by unlawfully revealing his location, strength and armaments to a neo-Nazi anarchist. <laughs> white supremacist. They are definitely not Sorry. anarchists. Yeah, white supremacist group. I don't know how that got turned up so damn loud. There is, yeah, uh, there is no ch- I mean, th- they claim openly to be Nazis. That's oh, right. Th- that is Which usually means they want a state. Yes, that is right? fundamentally counter yeah. to anarchism. And this makes e- your, str- your argument even stronger that this whole organization was just cooked up out of whole cloth by the federal government. Okay, l- l- what can we throw in the pot here? Okay, we got Nazis. <laughs> uh <laughs> Throw the anarchists into you know we'll call them anarchists but hey buddy they, wait a minute Nazis aren't it doesn't matter people won't think that much about it so uh, now we're talking about a Nazi satanic anarchist anarchist that's what they're claiming yeah no, Nazi no part, satanic anarchist. none of those three words go together <laughs> except possibly satanic and anarchist but it depends on your brand of satanism right which is a strong argument that this entire organization uh, is a creation of the the federal government. I wonder when the wiki page for it was created. <laughs> like June, the, like two days before this guy's arrest? Melzer allegedly provided this potentially deadly information intending that it be conveyed to jihadist terrorists. But of course it wasn't because everyone he talked to was likely a federal agent. As alleged, Melzer was motivated by racism and hatred as he attempted to carry out this ultimate act of betrayal. Unquote. Melzer was charged with multiple counts of conspiring. So hold, hold, hold on. He... Assuming his military unit's makeup is proportional to the United States, his military unit was probably 50% white. Okay. So his plan was to kill a, a bunch of white soldiers, to have a bunch of brown people in the Middle East kill a bunch of white soldiers because yes. he hates brown people and loves white people. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's no real logic that uh, that can be applied here. I wouldn't expect a logical plan from a Nazi anyway, but this one just seems... Insane. Melzer uh, charged with multiple counts of conspiring and attempting to pro- to murder U.S. nationals and military service members, providing and attempting to provide material support to terrorists, and conspiring to murder and maim in a foreign country. Half of the charges carry a life sentence if Melzer is convicted. Others, and which, by the way, he admitted to doing this, so, I mean, he's going to be convicted. Well, can confessions always be thrown out? <sighs> it's got to I mean, be gonna, pretty hard. It's going to weigh on the jury anyway. It's got to be imagine. pretty hard to uh, to throw out a I know confession. This is a military crime. I imagine he's going to get a military tribunal, isn't he? Good point. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, half the charges carry a life sentence if he's convicted. Others, as much as 15 to 20 years in prison. Attorney information for Melzer was not made available. But unless he's got an S-ton of money, and if he was in the military, he probably doesn't. He's probably going to be using a public defender, which means he will likely take some sort of a plea deal on this, considering, well, he already admitted to it. So... That's going to be your best bet, buddy, at that point. Quote, Melzer never de- talk to the police, man. Yeah. Melzer to, uh, declared himself to be, well, never join hate groups, well, number one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's hard to feel too bad for somebody like this, right? I don't know. I can kind of feel bad for him uh, in the sense that I think he was probably, and this is just speculation, but I, I imagine he was already lost and feeling lost. Yes. And yes. That's what they group, prey on. This group. Yeah, preyed upon him, probably sought him out. No, probably actively seeking people in the military who were lost and alone and frightened and likely to be persuaded into betraying whatever it is they already believed. Yep. And, and that's true of a lot of these uh, p- people that the government gang sort of 
persuades to do these alleged acts of terror. And we've talked about it over the years. There have been, and this was as of a few years back, there have been uh, 200 at one time. There were at least 200, and this was at maybe five years ago. One time we were reporting on one of these things where the FBI set somebody up and they you know, yeah. got them to say they were going to bomb a place or kill, kill some people and provided them with a fake bomb. And th- those whole things that we've heard about over the last two decades since 9-11. And there have literally been hundreds of them. Yeah, and some of them were from people who were not uh, mentally qualified to even stand trial. Probably true. Yeah. I just remember a few in particular. I don't remember the details about them now, but I do remember that the FBI, you know, they were were talking people who were technically mentally retarded into committing acts of terrorism. Yeah, you have to be that gullible, I think, and that that crazy and desperate uh, to be talked into something like this. And so, I mean, I do feel bad that that's... For these people that are being victimized, ultimately, even though their their intentions were bad, they their intentions were and he not, may not have been a victim. Good. He may have sought out this group and said, "You know, I, I hate me some some Jews and brown people. Let let's let's kill them." And I'm quoting this yeah, guy yeah. what he could have potentially right. said: "Let's let's create this plan and let's cause some chaos." You know? Yeah, we don't know what the truth is about you know him, but it, it's still sad to see somebody who could have had a turnaround. You know, they had it. He hadn't done anything. Right, except for giving away this classified information. He didn't actually kill anybody. He didn't actually go through with these things. So had it not been for the federal government egging him on, then maybe he would have just been like, oh, I'll just go do something else. And you know, even if he still hated people or whatever, maybe he could change his mind later. Maybe he could become a better person through whatever interactions he ends up having in his life. But no, instead, these interactions led him down an even more dangerous path, and now he's likely going to go to prison for most of the rest of his life. Yeah. So that's that's the sad part, is that the federal government is creating these so-called criminals. Well, we're speculating here that the federal government was heavily involved in this plan, and but uh, I tend to agree with you in that assessment. I mean, th- this sounds like something that was largely cooked up and manufactured by the FBI. I think you're right, and that's 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 how I'm that's what I'm extracting from the way this story is written. I mean, it's uh, Nazi satanic anarchists. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know what else to say. If you don't see the hand of the federal government and the FBI all over that, then I, I can't help you. Yeah, eyes wide shut, right? The world is not any safer, of course, uh, because <laughs> of this. Um, because well, the world ne- was never put at risk of him and his little. Wiley Coyote scheme. The government gang is going to hurt people no matter what happens. We got uh, more tomorrow. You can join us here from ForkFest 2020. This is Free Talk Live. ForkFest.party is the website. Check it out. The monetary evolution comes to Las Vegas. Crypto Vegas is a one-day event featuring some of the brightest and most innovative minds in blockchain technology. Juan Galt, Anastasia Sergeyevna, Lynn Ulbricht, Jim Bell, Elise Sam, Float CEO Kingsley Edwards, and more. Tickets start at $20.20, and you can save 10% on VIP tickets using code FTL at CryptoVegasConference.com. July 18th, join Free Talk Live at CryptoVegasConference.com. This is a Corona Crisis Self-Reliance Alert. If you're worried about the power grid in the current crisis and want to generate your own supply of off-the-grid electrical power just in case, pay close attention. Here's why. 
A limited supply of solar backup generators will be available again in the next two weeks. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving electrical backup power when you get off the grid. And unlike gas generators, these solar generators run quietly, emit no fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Dangerous weather, social unrest, or overloaded grids this summer will not be a problem if you go to MySolarBackup.com and get your solar backup generator. We regret that supplies are limited and only available on a first-come, 1st serve basis. Check availability at MySolarBackup.com. Never suffer painful power outages again. Go to MySolarBackup.com. That's MySolarBackup.com.